Welcome to the 315th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Logan. They are big, huge supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash jmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week in case this wasn't enough. I'm currently talking about the John Romita senior Stan Lee era of Amazing Spider-Man. Sometimes I do off mind topics. I'm really like open, open to suggestions. If there's anything like you want to hear, anything that is just too much to just you know focus on this show because there's so much in this one you know it would kind of derail if we just spent 30 minutes talking about whatever but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four that's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck i hate asking that every week but I, i have to um, this time of year, man, I have like so much stuff that, that comes due. I, I think, um, like, I think my podcast hosting fee just comes up that I have to re- renew like my domain to store, you know, all that stuff. And then I got an email that my HBO, my max subscription is about to renew. And, and I end up doing that for a year cause you save like 20% or something like that. And I think around this time, like Disney renews and I do that for a year and then I think my Marvel Unlimited is due. It's like it, it's it's horrible, but that's life, right? So that that's why that's why I asked for the money because um, going to the movie every week and just paying it 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 adds up. But we do this because we love it, right? <laughs> that's what I keep trying to tell myself. So what is going going on this week? It's uh I, I'm not even sure. <laughs> I don't know how long this episode is going to be. It'll probably be normal. Uh, the movie feature is the Nun Two. So it's almost like the, the, what's the movie feature? There's none. It's none. None too. Oh, man. we'll see. I'll see, what I have to say about that movie. Uh, then we have um, nothing new. Nothing else that's new this week. Um, Adventure Time. What I discovered, they're doing two episodes every week. I was like, okay. <laughs> I don't know why they're doing that. When we are in the middle of a writer strike, in the middle of an actor strike, we are going to be losing content soon. New content. It's like, how much stuff do they have in the can? So it's like, yeah, let's let's try to, you know, chug everything out. I would think you'd want to drag it on as long as possible. And by doing one per week, that's not like a huge, like, it's not like you're stalling so much, but you're just guaranteeing that there is going to be new content every week. And I know I go on about this every, every single week, but I just, I mean, when, when you look at, you know, so, I, you know, I've got Adventure, My Adventure Superman, Harley Quinn, Twisted Metal, Ahsoka, Adventure Time. So that's wait one, two, three, four. I was supposed to be counting. That's five five different shows I'm I'm watching there. Plus, I go into the movie. Plus, reading the comics. You know, and I'm showing people work, and then uh, you're probably watching other things. It's like like the Expendables four. I think is coming up. That might be a movie movie feature coming up in in a couple of weeks because there's not a whole else. You know, a bunch of other stuff coming out. I have not watched any of the Expendables Expendable movies. I need to watch those. I need to find a time to watch those. And so, yeah, two adventures, two episodes of Adventure Time. I'm digging the show, but man, 
I, I would much rather one per week, uh, but we'll see. So yeah, so then, like I said, we got another episode of Soka that's crazy this, this week. Twisted Metal, I think I'm just going to, like I mentioned last week, I'm just going to do one just to, to drag that out to, so I have stuff to talk about. And, you know, I know there are, there are some other stuff coming up, like the Continental is coming up on the 22nd, so I'll probably talk about that. But I think that's that's limited episodes as it is, and they're probably going to do like two episodes at once. I, I don't know. We'll see about that. And then uh, Gen V is coming up too. There's a lot of Gen V stuff, so I'm kind of dipping into the news a little bit now. There's a lot of Gen V stuff. To, there's, I think there's another teaser. Or tra- I don't know. I did not click on any of that stuff, and I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't know how I feel. I, I know once I start watching everything, I'll get back. You know, I'll get excited, but I'm just kind of. I, I think how at times the boys feels like it's it's trying too hard to be edgy and that that's just like the nature of the comics that's how it was it was like in your face and just like really pushing the boundaries and all that but i just i don't feel that you need to push all the limits in order to make good content i'm all for you know every time you drop an f-bomb or once you know if you do it the timing is right you know it could be funny it's unexpected but when it's happening all the time you know like like in harley quinn I don't feel it's it's necessary. There are times when in certain contexts, like, oh, that, that seems weird, or hearing this character say that, or do this, or whatever, but just sometimes it's just it's, it's too much. So I'm not super excited for Gen V, but then again, I haven't seen any teaser, any footage, so I could be totally wrong, and it could be like the coolest thing of the year. I don't think so, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, so yeah, let's just get into the news. Um, the other one, the other show. So I ne- I never watched the chosen one. I never f- f- went beyond that first episode, even though I wanted to. And then there was one piece. I, I I'm not like heavily invested. I'm trying to think. I don't think I ever read any one piece because when Anime Vice was was starting back in the day, if if you know what I'm talking about, um, I was you know trying to help out you know help launch it, trying to you know dip into some of the, the current new. Um, manga and stuff. I don't think I read any. I'm trying to think if I have any One Piece because I, I I picked up a few volumes, you know, of, of random things. But I'm really curious about the show, and I've I've heard good things that it's 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 surprisingly good because a lot of the live action stuff is just not good. It just for some reason I don't know what what happens. But apparently season two is already written. It's it's ready to film when the strikes end. When is that going to happen? I have no idea, and um, that's it's just it's really bothersome that the strikes the strikes are still going on, and I don't think it's necessarily that the the writers and the actors are being outrageous. You know, they're just asking for what what they're they're owed, and if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't have the longevity of these shows, and and a lot of what they're asking for are residuals. If something is going to be streaming like forever or you know years after, they should still be making money off of that, and it shouldn't be like just a, you know why like why is a CEO making money if maybe he wasn't even working at the the whatever the, the studio when that show originally filmed, but they're still making raking in millions and millions of dollars, and I, I I'm really curious like what is their day to day 
you know, I've yet he got, you know, meetings and memos and emails and phone calls and, you know, they have to manage everything and they're probably juggling up, but they probably also have a lot of people reporting to them, a lot of assistants saying, hey, check this out, this is cool, or, or you know, whatever, ignore this. There's probably a lot of stuff that's not even getting to them because they have other people sifting through it, I'm assuming. And, and I can totally, uh, you know, appreciate and get that if they're making like million dollar decisions or possibly even billion dollar decisions, there's a lot writing on that. And you need people that can really make those decisions, make the right decisions. But the thing is, they don't always make the right decisions. A lot of stuff that, that gets made, you're like, what the crap is this? And, and then there's other stuff that's like, okay, that's kind of a no-brainer. But, and, and it's also, it's, it's like if a director or whoever's in charge says, hey, we want to do this movie, and you know, we want to get, I, I just wonder how that goes. You know, did they did do the casting, and then they figure out the budget, or do they have to pitch it, say, hey, we want to make this Godzilla movie, or whatever, because you know, we were talking about that later. And then, you know, they must have, okay, this is your budget. May, do they say, do you have anyone in mind who you want to star in this? And they may have, here's our list of people who we're going to try to get. But a lot of times when you're, you're doing your, your, inner, your castings, your casting calls or auditions, I, I don't know, I keep forgetting what that word is. Uh, um, you know, you don't never know what you're going to get. And there could be some unknown, or maybe there's someone who has only done Broadway musical or, or music or whatever. And then all of a sudden they do this killer audition and you're like, holy cow, that this is going to be something. Or maybe it's someone who's only done TV and now they're doing that or vice versa. Maybe only, you know, you get what I'm saying. <sighs> Anyways, so... Yeah, I don't even remember. I don't remember what I was saying. So yeah, the strike is still happening. So speaking of Godzilla, let's just move ahead so we, this doesn't drag on. Uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters. There's a teaser. I'm not really sure what to expect about this. I, I feel like it, this is gonna. It should be cool. It should be like you know amazing. But I, I don't really know how I feel about this. And because you know it's in the Godzilla you know Kong universe, the monsters universe. But it's weird because apparently this is taking place over three generations. I thought it was only two, but we have Russell Crowe. We have his son. What's his name? Wyatt, right? I could be wrong with that. And I guess it's going back to like the 1950s. And, you know, so Monarch is supposed to be this organization, government thing, what is like trying to keep track of this. And, you know, it's, it's setting up like after Godzilla attacks, San, not Godzilla, but after the battle in San Francisco and all this stuff. So we see the trailer, and it, it doesn't show a whole lot, which is kind of good because I don't want to see a bunch of, you know, what it's going to be about. I don't want to see a bunch of monsters or destruction or whatever. Save that for when the show airs, which uh, when is going to air? November 17th, so it's going to be Friday. So I'm probably going to be a week behind if I, if I do cover that. I probably will because I don't know what else will be coming out. And, of course, they're going to drop two episodes the first week, and then uh, they're going to do one per week, going i think it's like 10 weeks 10 episodes so up until january 12th that that'll wrap that up speaking of of apple and the future of this show there is um there's something that came out uh if i have a notification on my phone there's a uh, the changeling so that dropped friday on apple tv and i think there was i don't know if it was two or three episodes i haven't checked that out yet so i don't know if I'm going to cover that because, you know, and now I'm kind of getting this place where it's like, okay, my adventure Superman is, this is the last episode that I'm covering. Then I got one more twisted metal. I got a couple more Harley Quinns after this week. So, you know, I'm going to start to get a point where there isn't much, which part of me is like, if I had like one show or two shows, man, I can catch my breath. Actually like spend more time drawing during the week or whatever. 
I don't know, but we'll see. Um, and what we'll see, I really don't want to think about this. The crow, supposedly, yeah, I'll see it, or I'll, yeah, I'll see it when I believe it, or believe it when I see it. Um, the reboot is apparently happening again. Bill Skarsgård is involved, which is like, come on, Bill. It's like, really? I almost feel like, like, just like, no, don't do it. Just, just stay away from everyone. Just stay away. It's, it's not a good idea. It doesn't need to happen. But we'll see. And then they're talking about being respectful to the legacy and original. And because, you know, everyone's like, you know, Brandon Lee, man, that 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 movie, it, it breaks my heart every time I watch it. And, you know, I don't I don't want to get into it again because I feel like I've talked about it so many times. I just it's one of those things. I get why you want to do it. If you have to write this property and it's all about, you know, making money. Yeah, you want to try to do it. But it just it, it just seems wrong. I don't know, but they're talking about 2024. The other thing, um, one of the, the top dudes at Warner Brothers talking about like how Harry Potter and like some DC stuff is like underused, Lord of the Ring, that they're not using them to their potential. You know, they, they have these. And like one of the things like, like we haven't done anything Harry Potter in 10 years. It's like, um, you, you did three Fantastic Beasts movie? Two, three, right? But I guess that's technically not Harry Potter. They probably meant the actual... It's like there, you can't do anything with Harry Potter. And yeah, we got the Harry Potter... 10-year show or whatever that thing is coming up but and then there's a possibility will they do the the cursed child i, I don't know and then they, they did mention the, like you know you don't want to overdo it but with the the dc stuff they're saying how you know there has been like a bunch of superman stuff that it's just it is being underused and but you can't just crank it out so it's it's good that they're not doing that but i kind of see what they're saying and lord of the rings eh, i mean just i can't get into it that's just me also, Warner Brothers apparently suspending deals with, with several people, like J.J. Abrams and Greg Berlanti and uh, some other production, whatever things. So at first I was like, oh, what does this mean? <laughs> when I first hear suspends, when you hear that, you're like, did they do something wrong? Is there some like controversy or something that's about to come out? But no, apparently it's because of the strike. It's not a termination. They're, you know, they're saying like people aren't losing their jobs, but it's more like a suspend and extend. So basically is any lost time, you know, when nothing is happening right now. So whatever J.J. Abrams may have had, had planned, everything's on hold. So if it's like four months or whatever, that four months could be added to the contracts. So if the contract was going to end at the end of this year, then they would say, okay, instead of ending December 31st, it's going to end April 31st, and then we'll try to negotiate or whatever. So I just wonder how that feels because if you have someone like, okay, my contract was going to end here, they may have already have some contract with someone else. Like let's say you're with Warner Brothers and then Paramount comes knocking at your door. You're like, okay, I'm locked in until December 31st, but then yeah, let's let's do this other sweet deal. I want to do like Optimus Prime Universe, Wonder Years story. <laughs> I don't know. And, but then I, I guess I guess if this happens, I, I wonder if you have any say. So if Warner Brothers suspends it, then you can say, uh, no thanks. I mean, I guess this matter, are you getting paid regardless of anything's happening? Or are they just like not getting paid now? I, I don't know. These are the questions that the CEO should know. And I, I, I'm assuming they know. I don't know. Liv Schreiber, rumor might be returning as Sabretooth in Deadpool 3, since like everyone's coming back in Deadpool 3. Obviously, it's just going to be like some sort of multiverse thing and we're going to get all these like weird random people that aren't in the MCU, but somehow I, I no, we'll see. Um, ooh, shiny. That's I, I always think about that. My daughter and I used to see that commercial every like every morning when we, I was probably like watching like Adventure Time or something like that. And it'd be the Wolverine Origins trailer. She didn't watch a movie when that came out. 
but we saw that that trailer. So I was like, "There's Wolverine." <laughs> um, Five Nights at Freddy. I, I'll see that. You know, I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll watch it. It's uh, the word reported it, that it's going to be an hour and fifty minutes long. So that's I think that's that's a good amount of time, because you know my my thinking whatever, if it's closer to an hour and a half, that's that's a little like uh, you know a little little hmm I don't know about that. But once it starts creeping past that, once it's more than an hour forty five minutes, starts getting closer to the two hour plus, then it's like oh there must be something here. There must be a story to be told if it's that long. And then, of course, there would be people like, oh, they could have cut 20 minutes out <laughs> because my little tiny baby bladder can't handle three-hour movies. <laughs> Sorry if, if you, you, you feel that way. And then uh, the last bit of news. There's, there's like, no news, <laughs> I guess. Saw X, Saw 10, what the heck are you even calling it? I know nothing about this movie. It, it's weird because the last movie was a spiral. It was kind of a Saw movie, but it wasn't, but it was, but it wasn't. <laughs> I don't even know how many. So this is Saw 10, I'm assuming. Does that count as one of the Saw movies? Have I seen all this? I don't even know how many Saw movies I've seen. And apparently this is coming out September 29th. I don't think that's news. But a poster was was like released. And it looks like kind of like a Mayan calendar type of thing. It's, it's a saw blade, but it's a circular thing. And it's like, the 10th chapter cuts through time. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> I have no idea what the heck they're doing in in the, in the Saw movies. But... We have that coming up, and uh, we got some a bunch of other stuff coming up because that is news for the week. All right with comic books at Image Comics, it didn't seem like there's a whole lot. And what really confuses me, you don't need to hear about this, but I tend I try to go off of the previous list to to see you know what what comes out because you know sometimes I I do get early access to comics. You know I'll get a, you know access to PDFs and stuff like that, but. When I look at the previews thing, it's like there's there's only Nightclub tr- trade paperback and Impure Evil, number two. That's the only thing. But it's like, no. So then I, I look on Comixology, which I'm, I'm not – this thing always changes whenever I try looking at it. There's like other stuff that came out. So it's like, okay, so I know more than those things came out. Cause, and I, I read some of these. Uh, Sacrificers, number two. This is Rick Remender and um, Max Fiumara. Uh, I, 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 I'm a a little antsy when I read this. One, I don't know what this is about. And um, what the antsy part is, it's because it's a little dark. It's a little, not not necessarily dark and dreary, but the whole thing, you know, it's about being a sacrifice or being sacrificed for whatever the kingdom or the world and and stuff like that. And it's this weird, I don't really want to say weird, but it's like, it's almost like this, it's not really a magical world, but it's a fantasy world, you know, because there's different species of people. Like we saw in the first one, there's this, these like pigeon, like people. And one dude was like forced to live in a barn, you know, apart from the family, he was like treated and everything like that. But then he's like the sacrifice. And because, you know, this group, there's like this mysterious person on this mask, you know, it's really fierce, you know, you you know, you don't mess with this person. If it even is a person. And, you know, they have these, like, chain of people as they're walking through. Because these are all the pre- different people from, I think, like, each town or city has to sacri- offer someone up as a sacrifice. And, it's, it's again, it's for, like, the, the, the kingdom, the emperor, whatever, and the world. I don't even know because I don't know, don't know anything. And... You, know, you see this person goes as a sacrifice and now we're, we're seeing more of the other people and you know some are interacting and some are angry and some are you know there's one one is like very kind and gentle and 
it's just the, the idea that they're going to be sacrificed for someone. It's like, what is, what's happening? And so it's just, it's, that's the, the dreary part knowing that it's like, okay, they're going to get killed for something. And it, it's probably something stupid, unnecessary. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't know, but we have that. Then there's a kill your darlings. I, um, I re really enjoyed this. I, I'd like to see, see if I can get the, synopsis for this eight-year-old rose loves nothing more than to play pretend in a magical land of her own creation to her that world is as real as our own from her fluffy friends to the terrible evil lurks at the center of it all and one night the line between fantasy and reality will disappear and now i feel like we're getting too much and ancient hunger will feed again and rose will be pulled into a gruesome saga that began centuries before her birth an epic new epic begins from debut writers Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan and superstar art team Bob Quinn and John J. Hill. I see. So what, what can I say about this? Uh, this this was really good. So what I will say is it's I, I enjoyed it because it's it is something new. So you know we we kind of have like this this new world or whatever. We see this this girl and her her the mother you know like a single mother and and this little girl the girl she has these big adventures and and you know she's she's like a warrior princess type of thing and her like her fellow subjects are basically her stuffed animals but in her fantasies they're alive and she you know she has all these stuffed animals and she draws pictures you know to to reenact her fantasies her adventures and you know her mom's like working hard and stuff like that things things get like really dark at the end it's like holy crap what 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 just happened and i i definitely don't want to spoil that because i was just like whoa and i i just i, I recommend this it's it's nice because it, it almost has this very like sweet aspect because it's this you know this girl's like so cute and she's doing all the stuff and and you can feel for the mom and you know the girl doesn't really know how hard things are because that one night you know the mom's like doing going through the bills and then, you know, she's like, how are we going to pay all this? And like that. And then she says, daughter's like, hey, how about pancakes for dinner? And daughter's like, yeah, because pancakes are probably like cheap and easy. But the daughter doesn't realize that. And so it's just it's it's heart like almost heartbreaking. Hey, then there is uh, I Hate Fairyland, um, Untold Tales. I forget what issue number this was. This was a this was a, a, a decent there's a third issue. Um, the first story was good. It's, I think it was written by Scotty Young. Um, some of the others, it, it's, it, I feel like I'm being overly judgmental, but as a consumer, as whatever, you know, that, that's what I'm supposed to do. So when I'm, I'm looking at some of these stories and my, the way my view is, askew, is skewed a little bit is I'm looking at, I'm, I'm reading these not purely for enjoyment, but so I can cover them. So if I was like a huge fan of the I Hate Fairyland, you know, the, the, the franchise, then yeah, I would be gobbling. It's like, give me anything. But having to step back a little bit, you know, I'm looking at some of these other stories where while it's cool to get these other random adventures, part of it is like, did we really need this? Like, did I need to spend five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, reading this? It's not going to add to the overall main story. So I, I hate having... That's that's the the bad thing about when you do this for a living. You know, if you review comics or talk about, you know, you do a podcast, whatever. It's like you can't. You're not doing it so much for the enjoyment. You're doing it because you have to. And then that's you know when it becomes quote unquote work, it it takes some of the enjoyment out of that. So when I say that, you know, like I I can't say that I absolutely love this entire issue, but 
it doesn't mean it's a bad issue. You know, if, if you're like really into it, you're going to like it. But, you know, there's this uh, one story, which I, I'm hesitant how much I should say, like, okay, wait, Gert actually got married at one point. And it's like, wait, what? She was like a little kid. That doesn't make any sense. You know, she was a, an adult in a kid's body. Well, uh, but you'll see why if you read it. So something like that, you know, it's, it, there's some value in that. Does it add anything to the character? Not necessarily afterwards, but you you have that. So it was just a kind of bizarre, uh, but that's how it is. And then um, other than that, okay, there's Swan Songs three. I don't think I read the second one. So Swan Songs. This is supposed to be about like stories about the end. I I, I like the first issue, you know, pretty much. And I, I meant to read the second one, and I was actually going to read the third one. I was like, well, I didn't read the second one, but I think each one is, is self-contained. I think it's a different writer or whatever, or different artist, I forget. But, yeah, I, I didn't get a, a chance of checking that out. So that was it. I'm pretty sure that that was it because there's quest number two, pure evil. I'm not reading those. Um, so then let's go over to Marvel. Uh, we had Amazing Spider-Man. 33. I'm like looking at the cover. I'm like, where, where's the number at? So Amazing Spider-Man 33. I dig the cover. We got Black Suit Spider-Man and go look, looking down on Craven the Hunter. But I realize as I'm reading this, I'm, I'm actually... So I've been reading Spider-Man for decades, literal decades. And I don't think I've missed an issue of Amazing Spider-Man. I've read most of like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, Peter Parker, spectacular. I mean, I've, I've read pretty much all the Spider-Man series that have come out. But then I, I realized I'm reading this. I was like, wait, what the heck is the status of Craven the Hunter? Cause every once in a while he keeps talking about his father. And I'm like, are we talking about Craven's father? Or are we actually talking about Craven? Cause I, I do remember there was a moment. Cause you know, if Craven's last hunt, you know, that was, that was his last hunt. And then I'm trying to think about it, Cause did he ever come back? Because and then I know there was like Craven's kids or something like that, and there was like two of them, and there's there like Charlie Craven, or not Charlie, but whatever. You know, there's some other ones, and then I think Gregor. Who's Gregor? Is that that's not Chameleon? Was it another? See, I, I can't keep track of it. And as I'm reading this, I'm vaguely remembering that there was a, a, another Cravenoff who was basically going to take over as Craven. But then I'm kind of like, wait, how old was Craven, and how old is this kid that he looks? identical to Craven, you know, so he's like, he's, he's, is he that old or is he just like, just doesn't look good. He looks, you know, he's like a 20 year old. It looks like, you know, a 40 year old or whatever. And if, did he have these kids before, like the Spider-Man, you know, there's all, all this stuff. So basically last issue, Spider-Man got kind of hit. So Craven and um, <laughs> the queen goblin, we're trying to get revenge on Norman Osborn, but she w wanted revenge. She wanted Norman to have his evilness inside him because goody two shoes, Norman, it's not going to be fun to get revenge on him. So somehow Craven was able to, all the, the evil that was cleansed from Norman was put inside this like magical spear or something like that. So and it's just like matters like, okay, you just got to stab Norman with it. The evil will go back inside him. And then we got wicked, evil Norman Osborn. Then you can get revenge on him, which is like, okay, you are about to unleash evil and craziness upon the world. And you think you're going to be able to take him out, but it's probably going to blow up in your face. 
it kind of blows up in her face because Spider-Man stopped him and he got stabbed. So now Spider-Man supposedly has some of this evilness. So now he's just like Craven the Hunter, you buried me alive. I'm going to get revenge on you. Even if you're not Craven, I don't care. <laughs> and so basically, um, there's some there's some cool moments here as as even though it's so wrong. You know, because there's like you were kind of getting edgier, gritty Spider-Man that's going after Craven and trying to do some, you know, stuff to him. But it's like Spider-Man's not supposed to do that. It's cool to see him unleashed because Spider-Man's gone through so much, especially Craven's last hunt. So it's it's just it it puts you in a like a weird situation because you like to see it, but you shouldn't be liking it. And uh, it's just kind of weird. So it's just I don't know, this whole volume of Spider-Man is just it it feels I, I don't I don't understand because I mean I, I I've always liked Zebwell's stuff, but there's just a lot of stuff. And you know, I I'm I'm not gonna say it's all on him because you know editorial is going along with all this and whether he's dictating or doing all the pitches or editorial is making suggestions and he's going, I don't I don't know how all that stuff works. But there's just been a lot of decisions in this volume that I just haven't enjoyed. I that I haven't like thought were good ideas who am i i'm just this dude who's been reading spider-man forever i mean since i was a kid which is like so long ago now but it's not all about me and you know as i'm reading more and more comics i'm starting to wonder it's like am i getting to this point where these comics aren't necessarily for me like who are you who's reading these comics because with the cost of these comics you know it's not kids i mean when i started reading comics you know when i was like 12 or whatever you know, you could buy comics for, you know, 60 cents, 65, 75 cents, whatever. You could buy multiple comics on an allowance. These days, I mean, allowances I don't think are that much. But, I mean, who's what What 12-year-old kids is buying a stack of comics that costs like four or five bucks a, a, an issue? So they're clearly not aimed towards the kids anymore. Uh, I don't know. So... A little on the fence with, with, with that issue. It was, uh, some interesting things, but I, I don't know where it's going to go. All right, there is a Black Panther um, versus Deathlock. I'm not re reading Black Panther. Should I be? Let me know. Doctor Strange, issue seven. I'm I'm very intrigued with this. So this is a Jed McKay um, written story. And uh, I think it was the last issue. We, we kind of took this little segue, this little detour. It's like, wait, what's going on? Because, you know, we're, we're supposed to have this wedding uh, with Clea's mom and, you know, and whatever. But then we find out about this war general or doctor, doctor, what was they calling him? St war, war strength, general strength. Basically, Dr. Strange fought in this 5,000 year war. It was like this with the Vishanti or whatever. And things just started getting more and more intense. And then because it was war, things started, he's, his hands got dirty. And if you think about 5,000 years, like the stuff that he must have learned, like the t level of magic and just doing everything to survive for that long, fighting and just... And then basically at the end of the war, one of the conditions in the treaty was, okay, he needs to have his memory wiped. We don't want him to have this knowledge because he's too powerful. You know, even, you know, we'll, we'll agree to these other terms, but you need to take, you know, your... Your, your main dude, your general, whatever, off the board, out of commission, put him back to where he was before this, this all started. So Doctor Strange has no idea about this. Now, why, why does this matter? Because when Doctor Strange was killed by this, these groups of, of his enemies or whatever, it unleashed the locked up 
war doctor general dude. I keep calling war the, the war doctor, but I'm thinking Doctor Who. So I forget what they're calling him here. I'm sure I could just look at the first page and it'll say that, but I'm not going to. So it un unleashed him. So now through comic book magic and stuff and literal Doctor Strange magic, he was able to make a new body type of thing. So we got this deadly 5,000 year, year experience Doctor Strange is out and he has no qualms about going to extreme means to do what he needs to do. And so I, I find that very fascinating. So I'm just like, oh, this, this is crazy. This is, this is nuts. So it's good stuff. Um, Fantastic Four issue 11. Mm, not my favorite issue. Uh, it was, it's, it's a very Ben Grimm centric issue, which is, is a good, it's a fine thing. You know, I like, I really like the Ben, the Ben, <laughs> what am I in the, the found, the whatever FF, the future foundation, some characters. Anyways, uh, this is kind of a weird story. I can appreciate it. Uh, it doesn't necessarily push the current, um, direction forward that much, so it's but it's it's entertaining and we get to see Ben kind of deal with this major problem like on his own without you know relying on the others and uh, it is an interesting that he is able to like come to you know figure out what's happening when others don't. It, it was it was a decent story. Uh, Ghost Rider Wolverine not reading that the Wars of Vengeance or whatever Immortal X Men fifteen. So I'm not a big fan of the Immortal X-Men series for whatever reason. I haven't been reading it so much. And, you know, you go to the first page, we got friggin' Celine. I, I don't like this mutant evil vampire. And you got Sebastian Shaw. And, you know, there, there's a lot about, you know, stuff going. But, you know, it, it is important to read because there's stuff about Krakoa still. And, you know, and Xavier is is hanging out there. And, you know, what, where there we, we've seen there's some mutant survivors and, you know, Exodus and Hope. And, you know, so... It was okay. I'll just say that. Um, Magneto issue two. Um, I'm I'm not so the only thing I love. Oh, there's one thing I love about this. Todd Knock art. Okay, so Todd Knock, love his art. Always, it's such a treat whenever I, I get to see an issue, a book, whatever drawn by him. I just enjoy it so much. And we have Magneto. I'm not the biggest Magneto fan, even though I have a friggin' Magneto helmet, which I just like, I can't believe I got that. Uh, so this is the, the one, I think the main thing that kind of turns me off of this is that it's one of those stories in the past. So, you know, this is shortly after Xavier left with Lilandra. Magneto's in charge of like, you know, the Xavier school with the new mutants and everything like that. That's fine, whatever. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, we've had so many of this, so I'm we're getting used to it. So we were getting this, this weird random story that we never heard anything about that. So again, that I feel like that limits things that there can't be any huge, massive repercussions because we've heard absolutely nothing about it. And so that that's just something you have to just overlook. But at the back of your mind, you know that, you know, Magneto's not going to lose an arm and you know become like Cable's twin. So it's just, anyways, we we have this story and there's some interesting as aspects. But we have this like woman coming after Magneto and it's like what is what is her deal? Who is she? And she kind of you know has some revelations and everything like that. But when when you read that, you're like, yeah, I don't believe you because we've heard absolutely nothing 
as far as I, I know, I realize. So I don't know, but it, it's just, it's for me, the main thing is like seeing Todd knock drawing like the young new mutants and everything like that. And, you know, Ileana and, and Danny and Sam. And so it's, it's great to see Todd like channel that era. Cause you know, he just does it so well. And that the story's interesting. Oh, with, I, I think, I think what I do can appreciate is, you know, thinking back at this time where, you know, Magneto was like a villain and, and then Xavier basically without a whole lot of, you know, cushing the blow, cushing the blow, uh, where he's just basically like, okay, hey, hey, kids, this dude, he's going to be your, your new uh, instructor. I'm out of here. And even though he, he tried to kill you like two weeks ago, but just trust me, okay? Bye. I'll be, I'm Audi 500. <laughs> and, you know, so we're seeing that Magneto's been taken and, you know, some of the new mutants are like, well, maybe that's not such a bad thing. And they're like, wait, are you serious? And they're like, well, maybe he's faking, you know, he's evil. They're like, so he's been doing all this stuff. He's been entrusted to take care of us and help us and guide us and teach us. And you think it's all fake? So it's, it's I find that interesting, but yeah. Um, then there's Moon Knight issue 27. Not my favorite issue, I hate to say. I, I, I love what, what Jed McKay has been doing, but... This one, you know, we, we have this uh, Black Spectre, you know, who's been targeting all of you know, these, these people. And uh, Moon Knight decides to, you know, there's someone that was overlooked that wasn't killed. And so it's like him and the other uh, Kanchu dude, they're going to go into the, the mine to try to get some answers. And it was an okay issue. Um, so, oh, wait, I just realized. So Scarlet Witch issue eight, I pass on this issue. Uh, I was thinking that this was because Loki's on the cover, so I'm like, oh, this Loki series, I'm I'm not digging. It. I love the the Dustin Nguyen covers. I'm not just not feeling the stories. This isn't that Loki. This is a Scarlet Witch series, which I'm okay with. You know, some issues it's been a little hit or miss. I didn't read this issue. I should have read it. So I I don't know what's going on. Silk issue five. I believe this is the last issue of this story arc, and I just. I just want so much more than what this story arc has. And I really don't like that this story arc kind of continues from the previous story arc, like the villains or whatever, because I didn't like those villains. And it's just like, okay, why? I, I've already said this like four times with, with the other four issues. It's like, where are Silk's like 18 Rose Gallery, you know, or A-level, you know, it's like... Uh, so it's whatever. Um, there's this new Silver Surfer, Silver Surfer Rebirth Legacy. So this is another Ron Mars, Ron Lim stories. Uh, I didn't read the last. So I, I was like, ah, oh, just a new number one. Maybe I can read this, but I didn't read the other Silver Surfer story. I don't know. I I really enjoyed that that original time. Then I was like, oh, Spider Gwen's out. But then I saw the Contest of of Chaos, and I started flipping through it, and I was re kind of regretted it. <laughs> Star Wars, um, I'm, I was excited about the, the dark droid stuff. I'm, I'm kind of not really feeling it. It's not really grabbing me so much, and I don't know. So this one, we got Lobot and Lando. There, I mean, there's some cool things because, you know, they go to Jabba's palace, and, you know, they're setting up some things. So if you think about, the, like, the time, like, everything, but in the clutches of EV-99 because, you know, Lobot needs to be repaired. Uh. Yeah, and then um, I didn't read Dark Droids number two. I should have, even though I just said I'm not super crazy about it. But you know, this is issue two of like the main book in this crossover series, so I'll probably check that out later. And then uh, X Men 26. 
this um i enjoyed this you know it's jerry duggan doing the writing and you know there's a lot of like the follow-up after the fall of krakoa you know stuff with with iron man and um this one has stuff with so shadow cat i didn't realize shadow cat it's it's with a k k-a-t shadow k-a-t okay and she kitty kate is a. She wants to go after Firestar because everyone believes Firestar is a traitor that she's working with or Orcus. I don't know why every time I say I want I want to say like Osiris or Orcus. I think it's Orcus, and I always think it's the other one. So they they think that uh, she's like betrayed all mutants. So so and I I still want to call her Kitty. It's like it, I think it's weird. You have someone that's like in their early twenties that's been called Kitty their whole life, and then all of a sudden, no, call me Kate now. And, and as someone who, you know, Tony is not my legal first name, but it would be weird if, if after years I just said, oh, don't call me Tony anymore. <laughs> just don't, don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so there's some stuff. And, and this obviously is leading into, uh, wait, Emma Frost and Tony Stark are going to get married? Why? And, you know, so there, there's more stuff in there. So I, I did en enjoy that. And then over at DC... So the good thing about DC is uh, there wasn't, I mean, there's no, I was going to say there wasn't much night terror. There was no night terrors because that's, that's over. <laughs> so we have Batman 137. This is uh, continuing from that, that Catwoman versus Batman war of Gotham or whatever it's called. So it's, things are getting, getting kind of, kind of messy because, Catwoman's thinking is like, hey, I'm going to take all these hench people, all these you know, low-level criminals, teach them how to be cat burglars. They're going to you know, promise not to kill, you know, what a blah, 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 stuff like that. They're going to target people when you know, they're not home. No one's going to get hurt. They're going to steal from rich people who you know, their jewels are insured and all that. Never, what if there's like precious you know, family heirloom moments or something like that? I guess that doesn't matter to Catwoman. But the idea is that they're doing these semi-victimless crimes instead of helping uh, the Joker unleash deadly killer Joker venom that's going to kill people and, and stuff like that. Batman's like, no, it's ridiculous. You know, because one, one person ends up getting killed. And uh, until I think it was uh, the, the main issue last week or two weeks or whatever it was. Spoiler. So someone's like, okay, my intel says the, the people are out of town. I'm going to go rob this house. But then the lady you know, big business t t lady, she ended up not going on a family vacation because she had work to do. So there's a breaking, breaking at the, the apartment, the penthouse or whatever, and she ends up killing this burglar because this intruder. So she shoots him or something like that. And uh, this, this burglar had, you know, like a wife and kids, and Batman's like, no, this kid uh, doesn't have a father. And so he's just angry and, and some of the Bat family are like, but but crime is down, murders are down. You know this this maybe this isn't such a bad thing, and that's a weird thing where it's it's like how could anyone think that this is okay? But when you look at the numbers, how can you say it's not okay? So I I really don't know because I I have like seen some comments where some people are like like oh they're so ridiculous that anyone could even go for this and blah, blah. but I I don't know. I mean, I really don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I wouldn't want to condone any type of thievery, but if it means people aren't dying, 
I don't know. Shazam, issue three. So things are, are going wonky with Shazam's power. Billy had some little mishaps where, uh, like, he saved some people. I forgot where it was. And all of a sudden he starts, like, just mouthing off and, like, cursing pe people like on on people who are recording on their phones. And he's like, oh, you guys are just a bunch of idiots and doing this. Put yourselves in danger. You know, I forget what exactly he said. So now he's he's hesitant to become Shazam. He doesn't want to do it. But then the gods are, you know, the, the Shazam gods, you know, the S-H-A's, you know, they want, like, some control in everything. They're tired of being just locked up and, and that. So they're trying to manipulate things as well. And, and uh, um, so I'm, I'm enjoying this. It, it's, it's good. I'll say that. Justice Society of America, I'm, I'm still loving this. And uh, um, I don't think Mikhail Janin did the art of this one. Uh, on the comicsology, it says he did, but I don't think he did. You know, it's Jeff John's writing, and I love Jeff John's writing. I, I just... It's just something about it. And um, so this is after the Degaton, per Degaton, whatever his name is, that, that story arc. And we're seeing some of uh, the aftermath of the, the Stargirl miniseries, which had amazing art by Todd Nock. And where all these lost children, you know, they, they've been like in this limbo, this island out of time, and they're kind of erased from the timeline. So all these heroes had like kids, sidekicks or whatever, they they forgot all about him. Like Jay Garrick had a daughter and he didn't remember. But then you know once he sees her, it, like it's, it comes back to him. But then the unfortunate thing is a lot of these other kids don't have anyone left because it's been decades or whatever. So you know Jay Garrick's got his weird you know time thing. You know, how is he still around if he was around you know way back then? So it's uh, interesting how, how they're doing that. And then we still have Huntress from the future. You know uh, Batman and, and and Catwoman's daughter, but because she kind of changed her future so she kind of is like she doesn't have a future to return to so it's like what is she going to do and batman's kind of being a little he's like well i'll set you up and she's a little upset because like oh you just you know told, basically said i was your long lost cousin and so your daughter but it's like dude you know you're probably not that much you know younger than this era's bruce wayne and all of a sudden he can't he has a daughter that's like 10 years younger than him that doesn't make sense and so it's interesting to see what they're going to do with that. And I feel like something like having their daughter in a present is like so wrong. Like, you know, you can't do that, but I'm absolutely loving it. So there's that. Uh, Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville. Uh, I was like, really? And it turned out I love this issue. <laughs> there's something about it. I'm not the biggest uh, Fire and Ice fan. You know, I, I can totally appreciate them from Justice League International and everything. I, you know, I can't say I, I'm like the biggest Justice League International fan. Like some people think it's like the greatest thing ever. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I just never like really got into that era. And I think, I think the main thing is when those issues were out, if they were, I don't know if they were out when I was actually reading comics, but I didn't like dip into the back issue bin so much with those because some of those characters I didn't really know or, or care about, you know, and Guy Gardner was on a team. I'm like, screw that guy. I can't stand him. So I, I get I can appreciate the fact that a lot of people do like them, and what I like about this is it's it's kind of it, it probably has some of that vibe there, and it's not like your traditional hero book, you know, because they're they're really questioning things, like they're angry and they're not, you know, everything's not hunky dory. It's not like the perfect hero life, 
so that the fact that like fire is just so so mad about a lot of things and you know she she can't believe how superman's disrespecting them or treating them and telling them that they're like grounded and have to be in smallville or whatever and which is seems kind of silly they end up uh renting out like a this building that has like an old hairdresser because the owner died or something like that and you know there's an apartment above but they're like they're talking to martha because you know originally they thought they were gonna stay at the farm but they're staying there and they're still in their fire and ice costumes and so it's like wait you're you're going into smallville aren't you trying to blend in but then you're like telling basically telling everyone that you're these heroes so it's like wait what's going on so but there there's there's like a level of humor in here but it's it's not a parody book but it's like enough hero to brighten things up and just like some of the dialogue and just a little thing so i, I enjoyed it uh then there is um there's a blue beetle book i didn't i it says blue beetle number one at first i thought this was maybe this is a new book i didn't get it because i thought it was like the graduation day but it's obviously clearly not to say graduation day so i should have checked that out to see how that was but i i didn't um joker the man who stopped laughing issue what issues is i can't read it in here um it, it's still the weird thing is like wh- how are there two jokers and who, which one's the real joker and what's going on and um it, we're not, no closer to getting answers but there's just definitely a lot of craziness going on there steelworks number four i'm not super crazy about this you know we got john henry you know he's set up his steelworks business thing security whatever and then you got some evil business dude that's trying to steal his stuff. And, and it's just, it, the villain feels so cliche. And it's just so annoying how they're targeting and whatever. So it's just hard to, to get into that. But there, there's some kind of interesting things in, in there. And um, I think that was all that I read. I, wait, no. Wait, because there was also, oh, Poison Ivy came 14. I can't believe it's 14. I haven't, didn't read that. City Boy 4, I didn't read, I know I didn't read 3, so I'm behind on that. Oh, and then, so the one that was actually, I didn't forget about this. I was saving this for last, because this is the last comic to talk about for a week. Birds of Prey, number one. Kelly Thompson, Leonardo Romero, Jordi Belair. I love this book. Oh, I love this book so much. And I, I'm a huge Leonardo Romero fan, so and and a Kelly Thompson fan. I love Kelly Thompson's writing, uh, and she's the, the, Kate Bishop that she and uh, Leonardo worked on West Coast Avengers, um, and even like Kelly Thompson's like Captain Marvel. Yeah, it's just I just I love her writing, and it, it it just really annoys me that there's a lot of dude bros that don't like her writing because she's a, a woman writer, which is just a crock of poop. I, I just, I, I think her stuff is just, I know, like, before this book even came out, before I even seen, like, the amazing art and the colors, I was like, I knew I was going to love this book. And it's just, it's so great. Um, Black Canary's forming a team. And if you look at the team, it's like, this this is so bizarre. This doesn't make any sense. We don't know to full extent. It involves her sister, Sin, that, you know, she needs to save her. And she needs certain people on her team. So, you know, she goes to um i said i don't want to like spoil things in the, like the or- whole order but you know you have cassandra kane and what i like is she's someone that i feel like sometimes gets overlooked you know it's like she's this huge badass she is is treated with the utmost respect here when they're talking about like how amazingly awesome she is 
And I, I just love that. And, and it's funny because she goes to try to recruit a big Barda and um, she, you know, so Bard is like fighting, you know, these like vampires or whatever, these, you know, whatever thing, whatever. I'm not going to get into that. And Cassandra kind of pops up behind her and Barda like swings because, you know, she's in the middle of a fight. She's fighting vampires and there's someone dressed as a bat and everything. So uh, Cassandra goes flying back and then she's like, oh, sorry, I thought you were one of them. But then she's like, oh, surprisingly, you're not hurt. Did you kind of, you know, she so basically she managed to avoid the full extent of the blow. She still got hit. She still got knocked back. But if you get hit by Barda, you're going to be like you know a squished tomato or something like that. So there's different things like that, and uh, you know just and I, I love how Barda what how she refers to Cassandra, what she calls her, and then you know then we have the big question, which I I feel like man next time I I if I ever get to talk to Jim Lee, is it Zealot or Zealot? I, I'm, I mean, everything inside me now says it should be zealot because that's that's what the word is, right? But when I, for some whatever reason, when Wildcats first came out in, you know, in the 90s, I always called her zealot. And I just, that's just what's stuck. And that's just how I feel like it should be. But it's also just sounds weird. And I dare I almost say it sounds dumb, especially if the word is zealot. But zealot just doesn't seem like it's a name. Zealot. Maybe that doesn't seem like a name either, but anyways, so I, I like her on here and just, you know, the, the unknown and then, uh, you know, Harley Quinn, why Harley Quinn? There's a, a <laughs> and it, it's funny cause Cassandra Kane wants, you know, she's like, there's a reason for her for you know, why they should have Harley. So she tells a story, but they're like, wait, you don't even have any words or you're not, their stories are supposed to have words and you're not really talking, explain the story. So she doesn't get to convey it. We see the story in the flashback but they don't really get it. And, um, and then as far as where they need to go, that was a nice surprise that it comes out at the end. So I, I really love this issue. And it, I mean, I wish like if there was a convenient local comic store, which I don't really have one that's easy to get to now, I would totally have, like buy, it's like I want a physical copy of this book, even though I don't really buy physical anymore, just get digital. But I, I just really enjoyed this. And um, if, if you know, like, some of the stuff that I've liked, will this be for everyone? There's I mean, some people probably aren't going to like it. But, and it's probably going to be, like, some of the dude bros because, oh, this is a team of all women. But they all kick butt. And you have to you have to appreciate that or you have to acknowledge that. And it's, it's not like, like oh, here's some woman with a female agenda and she's going to make all the female characters kick her. It's, it's like, no, you look at the history of characters, that's who they are. And it and and you know who are, well probably most of the a lot of these characters were created by men and they've always kicked butt so you can't say oh Kelly Thompson and it just it's it's just like no get over it you know stop stop spewing whatever you're I loved it so I'm ending comics with that so that's gonna be comics for you. so you get read Birds of Prey it, I it's really good that's comics for this week. All right, my adventures with Superman, season one, episode 10, Hearts of the Fathers. So this is the last episode of the season, hopefully of the season. I'm pretty sure, I, so I, I looked on IMDb, and you know, IMDb, I know it's not the go-to all covers encompassing everything, but they're pretty good, they're pretty accurate, and as soon as it's announced, I mean, it's, it's updated, like, like right away. There's nothing listed on a season two because usually a hub will be, you know, for the ep whatever. So I could have swore 
uh, it was mentioned that it, ha it had at least a two season pickup, but we'll see. Clark stands in like a windy cornfield. He looks up, the sky turns red, and then that floating armor dude who attacked like 22 years ago is, is there. So it's like, wait, what? He puts his hands out, and then the portal opens behind him. And the armada is like waiting to come through. And then Lois comes out, and she's like running with Jimmy. So there's a swarmer, like those like robotic soldiers coming from behind them. So Clark runs to them, like calling out. And then the floating dude like unleashes like a, you know eye beams, heat vision, whatever, incinerates everything. Clark reaches for Lois just as it, it, her hand you know gets engulfed in flames. And he's like, no. Then he like growls and looks up. And then the Armada is like starting to pass through. He stares at the dude. The visor opens up. Pretty sure it was his face. So it's kind of like a Empire Strikes Back, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader thing. Clark wakes up with a gasp. So it was a dream. He flies to uh, Smallville. He talks to Holo Jorel. He's like, I know why you sent me here. You tried to conquer this planet, my home. I won't let that happen ever. And then the, the problem is, Holo. Jorel speaks Kryptonian and he's like, you don't understand. But then Clark, you know, he's like, I'm not like you. I'll never be like you. And if you come to earth again, I'll be here to stop you. And then he goes to leave. And then Kryptonian Jorel's like, wait, but Superman's already gone. He's like, I'd never hurt you. And in English, he's like my son. And I think it was at this point, you know, when, when he's saying that there's like some, some lights turn on or like, because it's all like hollow environment or anything like that. And I was like, wait, is that the Brainiac symbol? Because there's been some some tellings where Brainiac has been kind of tied to Krypton and all that. Because even like in Superman animated series, you know, Brainiac was was yeah. So I was like, wait, is that? So Clark and Lois are walking through the city, and she's like, Clark, thank you so much for hosting me and my dad for Thanksgiving. So it's like, I, I, obviously, I think it was super obvious. I was just like late coming to figure out what's the deal with Lois's dad. So he's like, I'm so excited to spend it with you. And he's like, Jimmy comes over every other year. And Jimmy's like, I'm bringing yams. It's going to be yam-tactic. And Lois like, it's going to be weird. Even at my best, my dad is a lot. And she's like, is it too late to cancel Thanksgiving? Clark's like, you heard Jimmy. It's going to be yam-tastic. They stop and look at the remains of like the parasite armor. The big thing is just still sitting like in the middle of the city. And he's like, I have a favor to ask you guys. I need your help finding the general. And they're both like, what? Lois is like, the guy who kidnapped and then tried to kill you? Clark's like, look, I've seen what my people will do this planet if they get the chance. I have to keep Earth safe from Krypton. And he's the only person who has the answers. He's like, I'll, uh, I'll go get our usual. So he goes to get their coffee or something like that. So he leaves. And Jimmy's like, you sure he hasn't seen the terrifying evil Superman data sphere? She's like, no, and you are going to help me make sure he never does. Clark's in a bad space. Seeing that, and Jimmy's like, it would destroy him. I just hate secrets. We said no more secrets. And Clark walks up. What are you guys talking about? So thank goodness he wasn't using super hearing. I'd say, like, chuckle nervously. And Jimmy's like, oh, nothing. Just talking about how excited we are to, to get to work. So the three stand before Perry. He does not look happy. He has a rolled up paper in his hand and there's some other like workers standing behind him just like scowling. And Clark's like, uh, hey, hey, chief. Uh, and Jimmy whispers, Lois, what did you do? And she's like, just the usual stuff. Perry's like, you, you three have brought me more trouble than every other intern we've ever had. Do you know how we deal with this type of behavior at the Daily Planet? Then he holds up the paper in front of them and the headlines, City Save Superman. By Lois Lane, Clark Kent, and Jimmy Olsen. And Lois like, that's us. 
And he's like, you're terrible interns. So the only thing to do was to make you reporters. The others start cheering, hooray, blah, blah, all stuff like that. Clark sees he has a cubicle. I think it was Kat. She comes up to him, gives him a kiss on the cheek. Steve gives Jimmy like a stuffed wolf, so like the lone wolf thing. And Jimmy jumps into his arm and they both like laugh. And there's like tears, you know, the anime tears. And then Lois sits in a chair. She kind of spins once and a name placard is set down. It's like Lois Lane, future award-winning journalist. And he's like, okay, okay, mushy feeling time is over. Half of you have deadlines and the other half are leaving early today. So let's move people. Lois is like, Mr. White, if you have any, if you need anything, we could say, he's like, Lane, go have a happy Thanksgiving. But, and he says, he's like, I need you to stay, Olsen. We need to talk about Flamebird. So it's like, okay, here you go. Jimmy, like doing all this stuff. He's going to get in trouble. Clark and Lois arrive at the farm. You know, Martha greets her and says she's so proud of her. Lois is surprised because she sees her art, their, their article in a frame up on a wall. And Martha's like, it's only the nicest thing I've ever read by the most talented, heroic lady I know. And Lois is like, well, you know that Clark was the one to save the city. And then Pop, 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 Pop pops out. <laughs> and he couldn't have done it without you. And he's like, Clark, peel potatoes. He's like, I'm in the turkey zone. So then uh, they're alone. Martha's like, thank you. And not just for the fruit, because she brought like some pears or something like that. She's like, after his power showed up, Clark was so scared of hurting someone that he kept himself at a distance. And now he has you with him. So again, Lois Lane, thank you. Lois pops into the dining room and sees Clark peeling. And she comes up behind him, like kisses his cheek. And she's like, I'll help you find a general. And he's like, thank you, Lois. Then her phone buzzes. She gets a text from her dad. <gasps> And it's like reporting for duty. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. She's like, dad's here. She's like, what do I do? What do I say? She's like, we need a plan. Let's, let's hide to make one. And Clark's like, Lois, come on. What's the worst that could happen? She's like, he's rude to you and ma and pa and everybody hates me. He's like, hey, nothing can change the way I feel about you. Not even you're grumpy. And then it cuts to him opening the door and a general standing there. And he's like, dad. And her, her dad's like, hmm. Clark, like, he gasps. He's clenching his fist, and Lois pops out. Happy Thanksgiving, Dad. This is my boyfriend, Clark. Uh, meet, meet my dad. Um, and he's like, uh, hello? He's like, Sam. He's like, nice to meet you, uh, Mr. Lane. And Clark accidentally like, squeezed the doorknob. You can see it's, like, kind of smashed a little bit. Her, the general, her dad's like, please, call me General Lane. Which is, like, kind of arrogant, whatever. So then we see them sitting in the living room. Ma comes out with, like, hors d'oeuvres, like, cheese and pears. And General says, so you look familiar, Kent. Have we met before? And he's like, nope. And he's like chuckling nervously. Just have one of those faces. He's like, how do you spend your time? Any hobbies? And Martha's like, uh, Sam, you must be so proud of Lois. She's smart, hardworking, and successful. And he's like, she's Elaine. It's what we expect. He's like, what are you doing with your life, Kent? And Martha's like, actually, Sam... Clark does a lot. Just the other day, he saved the entire, and Clark's like, store, save money at the store. Ma, we, we should help out in the kitchen. And then Lois whispers, she's like, don't leave me alone with him. And he's like, be right back. In the kitchen, Pa's like sitting in front of the oven watching turkey. And Clark's like, uh, what would you do if, let's say you had an enemy? And her dad's like, I'd turn him into a friend. And Clark's like, but if someone really hated you? Martha's ma's like, are you talking about Lois's dad? But you can't hate your girlfriend's father, Clark, no matter what he says, you know, about our perfect son. Lois in general sitting in silence in the living room. And then he's like, thank you for spending Thanksgiving with me. She's like, I'm glad you can make it. I've been meaning to introduce you to, to Clark and the Kents are so nice. He's like, Mrs. Kent said something about success. 
She's like, oh, I had my first article published. Ta-da! She chuckles nervously and like kind of presents the you know, article on a frame on the wall. He's like, fan of Superman? And she's like, everybody loves him. Not everybody. And she's like, you haven't read it, have you? You never read what I write. Lois, I've been busy. Yeah, with what? It's classified. She's like, oh, yeah, right. And then Ma forces Clark back into the living room. I wish I could remember where I've seen you before. Spend any time in the military? He's like, uh, no, sir. I, I really don't have the constitution for, uh, and he's like, the applied sciences. He's like, just a journalism degree, sir. Do you always wear glasses? And then Jimmy Bargins, hey, everybody, I have news. Everybody welcomes Jimmy's interruption. Lois introduces Jimmy to her dad. And Clark's like, let me show you the kitchen. And he's like, Lois's dad is a general. So he's like, general tried to kill me. And Jimmy's like, what? Have you told Lois? He's like, how am I supposed to do that? Martha comes in and grabs Jimmy. James, I hate Lois's father. She's as sweet as an apple pie, but that man is a lot. And Jimmy's like, uh, then Pa grabs him just, just to sit in front of the oven. And he's like, don't tell anyone, Jimmy, but this turkey is refusing to come to temp. So then we see Jimmy in the living room. And he says to General, do you have something to tell me? Because, you know, everyone else is like saying something to Jimmy. He's like, I don't know who you are. Then Lois and Clark pop in calling Jimmy. And he's like, nope. Pulling outside, he's like, the Jimmy gets pulled into drama portion of the evening is over. He's like, Clark, you are going to tell Lois about her dad. Then you are both going to thank me for my emotional maturity and for bringing your stuff, which you left at the planet. He gives uh, the, the spheres like uh, top of Lois's bag. And she's like, Jimmy, give that to me now. The sphere falls out and it beeps and Clark picks it up. And Jimmy's like, wait, Clark. He's like, what is this? It turns on and Lois starts explaining that the, the League of Lois Lanes had a file and she didn't know what it was. You know, she didn't know what was on it. And, you know, so he's like seeing this and she's like, Clark, this isn't you. And he's like, Lois, I don't, I can't. And then the sphere actually opens and there's like a, a sliver of kryptonite inside. Clark starts getting like the green vein stuff on his hands and, and everything. He drops it. He's like in pain. He falls over. And then the veins start like going up his face. The ship and Holo Jor-El detect the kryptonite and kryptononi. And kryptoni, he's like, kryptonite? The poison is here? So Clark's still on the ground in pain. Lois is kind of like freaking. Jimmy sees that the, the rock is in, you know, the, the sliver. He puts it back inside. Then the, the green veins start to recede. But the, the, the ground starts shaking, and Ma, Pa, and the general come out and see the ship rising through the ground at the cornfield. So thankfully, it's, it's not like right next to the house, but it's still pretty close. And the general's like, Mr. Kent, Mrs. Kent, this is going to sound unbelievable, but we are standing at ground zero of an alien invasion. He's like, they're picking up where they left off 22 years ago. And then Lois is like, wait, Dad, how do you know about that? He's like, I need you all to evacuate now. He runs into the field. He gets on his phone as, as, Jimmy, or as, as Lois tries calling to out to him and the general's like deploy all assets to my location asap i have eyes on nemesis omega and i'm carrying out termination orders and he he and then out of his like his is like best or whatever he just pulls out the omega cannon he just happened to have it the thing is like huge and i don't know how he was concealing it clark tells lois and jimmy he's like i'll be right back he zips ma and pa away to like a far off field he's still a little weak he tells pa he's like i have to make sure everyone gets away before i deal with the ship and Pa's like, deal with the ship. How, how are you going to do that? It, it's, it's, it's huge. And, and Martha's like, our son is Superman, Jonathan. That's his ship up there. We just have to trust him. They both hug Clark. Then a bunch of robots start getting launched. Because at first I'm like, oh, it's, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's, just, it's Superman's ship. Jor-El's on there. But no, 
little little things start coming off the off the back they like transform into robots they land by lois and jimmy then he starts shooting lasers at them so they're like running into the cornfield they get separated jimmy drops the sphere and it opens and the kryptonite makes like the robots crystallize there's like green stuff that grows on them and they become inert but it's like weird after they stop like there's like after there's like a faint like red glow so they're not completely out so it's like are they gonna turn back on or are they completely done some robots come up to the general. He shoots them with Omega Cannon. He gets on the phone saying, it's like, I need backup. And he holds the, the gun out, and he sees that he's pointing it at his daughter. And she's like, it's you. You're the general. And he whispers, Lois, what are you doing here? And she's like, Task Force X, Nemesis Omega, Zero Day. And he's like, how do you know those words? She's like, the one who kidnapped Superman, it's you. It's been it's all been you he's like lois there's so much more to this and then this humongous huge robot crashes like next to him like you know just a few rows of corn next to him he's like get behind me he starts shooting but it like doesn't really do anything to it superman flies into it knocks it over then he tears off this like front piece is like just red like i don't know if it's like a lighter you know crystal or something like that rips it tears it off and then he rips the robot in the top part in half and the general's just like left standing there and he's pointing the gun it looks like he's about to pull the trigger after after like a second he thinks about it but then uh he floats down and lois runs to him and then she's like jimmy went that way and they zip off General calls her, is like, stop. But, it, and it seems like, again, the robots might still be active because there's still some, some light flickering in them. They find Jimmy and a bunch of like crystallized fallen robots. Lois like, Jimmy, how'd you do all this? And he's like, the rock that hurt Clark hurts robots. You know, he's like, we can take out the rest with this. But then they look up and a portal opens and there's like a huge ship on the other side. And then General sees it too. He's like, no, not again. So Lois is like, what is this? And Clark's like, this, or Superman now, he's like, this is what happened on Zero Day. He's like, I have to stop it. I, Lois, the sphere, and she pulls it to her, like then puts it like, behind her back. She's like, no. It's like, I'm not letting you sacrifice yourself to save us. And he's like, that rock is the only thing that can destroy my ship and close the portal. Lois says like, it'll kill you. She's like, Clark, I love you. I can't lose you. And, you know, he goes up to her, gives her a kiss, and the tears are streaming out, out of her eyes. During the kiss, he managed to get the sphere away from her, and he like backs up, and she's like, oh. And then he like zips up. So Superman hits the ship from underneath and robots are like flying towards him, like shooting. He pushes it like up over clouds. He backs up and he flies at it again. He like punches like a hole through it. He, he looks down his corridor. There's like more robots act, you know, act, they start activating in there. It's like surrounding him. He starts fighting them. They're like shooting at him, but then Holo Jor-El appears at his side. And it, it's like, he's able to disrupt the robots by like flying through them. Kind of like Kitty Pride, like whatever, going through Sentinels and that. In uh, Kryptonian, he's like, follow me to the heart of the ship. And so they, they fly and they punch. They reach the center. Superman opens the sphere. He starts getting weak and he falls. The kryptonite falls out. Uh, crystals start forming like on his face and hands. He like, grabs it, he squeezes it, punches the center like the, of the ship or the council thing. And he like shoves it inside and like pulls his hand out. It immediately starts like affecting, you know, going across the ship. The, the portal starts to, it closes. It chops off like part of the ship that was like sticking through it as it was like flying through. And then Superman starts to close his eyes because he's in close, too close proximity. He opens them and then he's like an all white and like black place. So it's kind of like the one Jor-El's talking to him in like the holo place. Jor-El's like, you brought the kryptonite here. And he, so he's, now he's talking in English and Superman's like, I had to stop your invasion. I had to protect my family. And Jor-El seems kind of like surprised that he's calling him his family. 
and and you know he he does some stuff like an invisible counts or whatever and superman floats up and in english he's like kal-el my son live he kind of gets like enclosed in a pod and he's sent back to earth as a ship starts to explode it huge crash into like a, a field but then the pod like somehow disintegrate or something like that so there's this other like crater the general is then standing at the top of the crater he's pointing the gun at superman he starts squeezing the trigger but then lois jumps in front and she's like stop he's like i need you to get out of the way lois and she's like so you can murder the man who just saved us i have orders to kill the alien invader who caused all this she's like he didn't cause this he's the one I know you think he's a hero, Lois, but there are things you do not know. And his, his voice is kind of shaky. He's like, I'm doing this to protect you, Lois. She's like, but I don't need you to protect me, Dad. I need you to listen. That man risked everything to protect our world. If you care about me at all, let him go. And in, on a radio, I don't know if it's Amanda, but a radio is like asking generals, like, what's your situation with her? And then he's, he, takes, he goes on, he's like, this is Lane. False alarm. Stand down. And they're like, what, General? But he, like, turns it off. So Lois uh, turns and goes down to Superman. You know, she, she kneels down because he's still on the ground. He, like, chuckles softly, and, and then she turns. She's like, Dad, thank you. I, But he's gone. Later at the Kents, Pa comes out with a turkey. He's like, it's still not up to temp. And then he's like, Clark. And, and he's still in the Superman suit. So thank goodness Lois is, is like, is he coming back? Are you sure? So he uses heat vision. And heats it up. Dinner is served. Ma says, oh, James, you said you had something to share? He's like, oh, right. I sold Flamebird to the Daily Planet for $5.6 I'm super rich now. And everyone's like, in silence. He's like, pass the yams, please. And they're like, Jimmy, like, pass the yams indeed. He's like, oh, yeah. They're all excited. So, again, he makes this money. It became super popular because of the Superman stuff. So did he, like, I don't know if he invented the app if it's just like a messaging service messaging video thing that he i i don't understand but then it's not over so we see the damarda ship like about to enter enter the portal then it gets chopped and then there's an explosion and then there's like this big robot with a cape it's like ah unexpected and here's the thing you have no idea who this is the closed caption reveals the closed caption says that was brainiac it doesn't look anything like brainiac but again, we saw, so I was, I was right, you know, you saw Brainiac's symbol when Jarl was talking to Superman. So then he floats down to, there's this, they're at some planet getting attacked. And he, he says, I have found a new planet for you. They have destroyed our ships and closed our portals. It is a planet in rebellion. So there's this Kryptonian warrior, according to the closed caption, let them rebel. It does not matter. In the end, they will kneel. So who could that be? It's got to be Zod, right? Who They listed him as Kryptonian warrior, but it's got to be Zod. So that's the end of the season. Interesting ending. Uh, you, you know, yeah. So I was like, is is the general's lowest dad going to find out that Clark? Because he's like pretty close because he's looking at, at Clark. He's like, you look familiar. Because again, the glasses is not the best disguise. So uh, this whole Kryptonian invasion thing just seems weird, but it, it is kind of interesting. It's, it's kind of nice in a way to have something a little different. So it's not just the same exact Superman story over and over again. So that does, you know, add a new kink to things. The fact that Superman was sent to be a weapon. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty crazy, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, it kind of fits, you know, because General Zod is all about, you know, the army war or whatever. And, and Jonathan is, or Jonathan, uh, Jor-El was more about, you know, the sciences and everything. So 
Let's hope we get season two ASAP. Okay, then we have Harley Quinn, season four, episode eight, Il Buffoon, Buffoon. I really like this episode. And as, as like the episode's like nearing its end, I was like, wow, I really, really like this one. One, I think it's because it's a lot with Bane. And two, maybe because there wasn't as much Harley, so there wasn't as much screaming. I don't know. So it starts off, picks up from last episode. Harley and Ivy exit the time sphere and see the, the chaos in the street. It, and it's kind of like, <laughs> this, I do love this part. This part cracked me up. Uh, it's it's like a kind of monochrome. And Ivy's like, fudge, like we're gone a few days and the Snyderverse people took over. <laughs> oh, Snyderverse. Um, then this woman standing on his, his car is like, screw the patriarchy and this car. And she starts like smashing it. She has like this big umbrella. It turns out it's, it's Nora. And she's excited to see Ivy. And she's like, where have you been? Then Bane comes running up and, or he's like, almost like he's dancing around speaking Italian. It's like, wait, what? And Ivy's like, WTF is going on. Nora's like, it's like, oh, it's nice of you to finally join us for the apocalypse. And she doesn't say that that politely. And then she, Ivy's like, wait, it's already happened. Harley's like, oh, we'll just go back in the time sphere and go back a week. And, of course, what happens? Someone throws, like, a Molotov cocktail and it blows up. So then it starts, goes back six days ago in Italy. Bane's riding, <laughs> I love Bane. Bane's riding this little Vespa, and he, like, comes into this place. Hey, pasta maker, makers, beware. I have arrived. Receptionisto. He's like, I was on hold with you for 94 hours after realizing that seemed futile. I came to speak with you, mano a mano. And she's just sitting there reading this Pasta Time magazine. She's not really concerned with his presence or anything like that. You know, this big hulking dude in this mask, all these tubes. And she's like, do you have an appointamento? He's like, no, I do not have an appointamento. I was stuck at Homeland Security for months, then in customs, also for months. Then my mass tubes got tangled in your olive branches for uncountable hours. And now I will finally complete my quest to win my co-worker's affections by fixing the handle of her boss's pasta maker. And as she looks at it, that handle is discontinuato. And he like slams his fist. Discontinued, unacceptable. And then he sighs wearily. What about in the back? Sometimes the store doesn't think they have something. Then they check in the back and they're like, well, there it is. It's uh, not in the back. You do not understand. My whole life I have existed in darkness, hopeless that I would find someone who connects with me on an emotional and spiritual level. Well, I have found her, my lovely Nora. And he holds up a picture of her. She's like drunk, like sitting back on his, like a couch. She's got like, you know, a red solo cup in her hand and everything. She spilt some on her shirt, whatever. But if I don't find a new handle for this pasta maker, I will lose her. The receptionist kind of looks concerned. And she's looking at it, you know, the picture and everything. Then it's like, discontinuato. And Bane's like, I kind of twitches a little bit. Cut to him, like, outside. Whoosh, there's an explosion. Bane's driving off on his Vespa. Pasta pricks. <laughs> at the Legion of Doom headquarters, uh, like, disco music's playing. Nora's, like, drunk. She's wearing a red wig. And then she was, like, I, apparently talking with an IRS auditor. And she's like, oh, whatever. You know, and she pulls off the wig. She, it, she just falls on the floor. She takes a swig from a bottle and she's like, take that suckers or something like that. Turns on the TV and it's talk show Tani. She says, Lex Luthor has announced that he's about to start repairing the ozone layer with Earthsaver by Lex. 
that we see Lex on the moon. And he, he's starting to grow hair. It's very sparse. He almost looks like Rachel Gould, the way he's, like his hairstyle is. I don't know what he's doing himself. Uh, it's very, very sparse. And he talks about the important people in history. He's like, Jesus, Elvis, Rihanna's baby, and now Lex Luthor. And he, he's like, so he's just super excited. He hits this big replenish ozone layer button. The laser shoots, goes towards Earth. It just, it falls short. And he says to like his technician, he's like, what did you do? Uh, sir, it appears our laser is 304 centimeters short of the Earth's atmosphere. In English, it's, it's about 10 feet short, sir. And he just like screams. Back in Italy, we see Bane riding through the countryside on his Vespa. He has Nora's picture like taped to like between the handlebars now. I will find you an even better pasta maker handle. He stops to talk to his local man. Excuse me, the Italian man. Can you tell me where I can find the best pasta maker in all of Italy? But the dude fell asleep next to a tree. He drives away. These people and their fudging naps. Then he gets hit by a soccer ball or football and falls. Some kids run up to, you know, to get their ball. Hola, bambinos. It's-a me, Bonio. An Italian, one of the kids like, he says his name is Toilet. <laughs> they laugh and Bane laughs with them. Where do I find the best pasta maker in all of Italy? So the kid like points to this like house, the small little house. And they're like, eh, pasta maker. And then we see it's actually on top of this very big mountain. As, as he's looking at, at, the, at, the, at the house on the mountain, the kids steal his Vespa and they drive off. But they left the suitcase. He's like, damn you street urchins. So Bane's like walking up, pulling his suitcase. He's like, every blister was worth it for my sweet Nora. Meanwhile, Nora is sitting on Captain Cold's lap in the Legion of Doom. He's like kissing her arms and stuff like that. So I guess they're in Ivy's office because she's like, oh, it's even hotter when someone's sleeping in a room. And I was like, wait, who? Because like, what is that? So you see like Ivy's hair, I guess. She's at her, at her desk. She, she can't be. So it's the wig, right? They're about to get into it. But then she decides she wants a bowl of pasta first. BRB. In the Legion of Doom kitchen, Nora hears Volcana talking with Lex. And she's like, oh, I've always, you know, it's always been a dream to simultaneously set off all the volcanoes at once. And she's like, Ivy's going to be so proud. And Lex is like, she recommended you. And Nora yells, WTF is going on. And Volcana's like, I was asked to help Lex. And she's like, can it, Lava Lips? I want to hear it from him. Oh, I'm just borrowing a low-level employee to activate some volcanoes around the world, creating enough heat to raise the ozone up, oh, I don't know, 10-ish feet? It doesn't matter why. And Nora's like, seems like it does matter why. This doesn't concern you, Nora. She's like, oh, a nefarious business tycoon comes into the office on a Sunday to take a wet-behind-the-ears rube to help with a personal project? All my alarm bells are going off, buster. And Volcano's like, am I in trouble? I thought Ivy knew. Is she going to be mad at me? And Nora says to her, she's like, why are you even here on a Sunday? She's like, I always work weekends. And she's like, go back to your nerd hole and put your headphones on. It's about getting nasty in here. Lex starts walking out and she's like, not so fast. Explain yourself. And he's like, I thought she was doing that press tour for that, her line of business corsets with the Johns. And Nora's like, Ivy's not working with the Johns anymore. She blew them into smithereens. She did what? And she like shoves in the elevator and she tells him to get out. So Bane has finally reached the top of the little house. He knocks and like nothing. And then he like opens the door. Um, excuse me. And then a knife is thrown at him, hits him in the chest. And, but he has that like red thing. Like, I don't know what really what that does. Like it controls the venom. I don't know. He's like, who stabs my weary heart? And there's this older lady there. She's speaking Italian. She's holding another knife. He apologizes, explains that he's looking for the best pasta maker in all ability. 
And she's like, you have found her, beefy man. And he's like, aha. Nora goes into Ivy's office, thinks Ivy's still sleeping at her desk, and says that, you know, she won't believe what Lex, you know, tried to do. Then she's, she's like, you've been sleeping for days. And she's like, do you have, I forgot what she said. And then she figures out it's a wig. So Lex is watching from outside, and he sees that it's wig. He's like, Ivy's not even there. So he calls his Lexinators to move in. Nora and Captain Cole pick up where they left off, and three dudes, like, in suits with guns, they crash through the windows. They duck behind a desk. Volcana is there. She's like, Volcana, you, you perv, what are you doing? And she's like, recharging in the comfort of Ivy's random hairs and chip crumbs. And the two dudes grab Volcana and Nora. The third has a gun pointed at Captain Cold. Then King Shark walks in. Did someone change the Wi-Fi password? But it's like, dude, you're IT. Shouldn't you know that? He like walks, <laughs> he walks right up to the third guy who like turns, you know, because he's looking at his tablet and the, the guy has a gun pointed at him. And he, he's just like, <clears throat> like chops like his upper half. <laughs> and then uh, Nora bites the, the arm of the dude holding her, sh- pushes him out the window. Volcana like kind of like, does one of those reverse headbutt things to her guy. And it hits, he, Cold hits him with fr- a freeze gun as Volcana hits him with fire. And then the guy kind of smiles because I guess the blasts cancel each other out. But then Nora smashes him in the head with the stapler again and again and again. And again. There's like all the blood and stuff like that. King Shark's like surprised that they're all working because it's Sunday. And Nora says that, that they're being trolled by a balding himbo who is preventing her from getting laid. And then she tells Cold, she's like, we can continue this in my car. But Lex hits like a remote button and this like steel barrier and closes like this metal dome goes over the entire Legion of Doom headquarters. And he just like smiles. In Italy, the lady feeds Bane, but then she's like, no freeloading. So she like, you know, takes the rest of the food away. She's like, you ate my Parmesan, so you help in the kitchen. And he says that he's like, oh, I need to rest. You know, I'm afraid my body will fail me. And she's like, now is uh, not the time for fear. Fear comes uh, later. He's like, after dessert, silencio. She slams her fist down. I asked the questions. You make a, the dough or you get, you are out, you get a, or something. At the Legion of Doom, Nora's kind of freaking out. She's like wondering what are they going to do. And she asks Volcana if she could just ex- explode them out of there. And she says that she's famously known for fires, not explosions. So then Lex calls over to Intercom. Ivy's underlings, you have one less chance to hand over Volcana. Nora, she has decided the line of succession says that she's in charge. And Lex is like, Nora, I take your silence as a refusal to hand over the fire breather. She hits the Intercom button. She's like, uh-huh, that's right. I've seen men like you take young, nerdy women before. Not on my watch. And Volcana's like, thanks. And Nora's like, yeah. She's like, well, someone put her in a panic room already. And she's like, the Legion of Doom doesn't have a panic room. King Shark's like, oh, I'm going to have to hack us out of here. So he's like excited to get to do some IT work, I guess. The Italian lady's tying an apron on Bane. She's talking about, or he's, he's talking about how he never believed in love at first sight or whatever. But, you know, with Nora, you know, he says it's much deeper. And she slaps him. And she's like, hey, we work with our hands, not the mouth. Then he needs some dough. And he has, like, major trouble cracking an egg open. Because, like, as soon as he tries, it's like, shh, like the, it just shatters, like, eggshells everywhere. Several attempts. And then he yells. She's like, your eggs are faulty. I will explode them all. The lady asks for a photo of his beloved. And she holds it up. You know, and she's, she's like, now you try. He's like, okay, but I will assuredly break her like I have so many bodies and spirits in my career. And, she, and the lady's like, not if you break it for her. So she like taped the picture to an egg. So he takes it very gently, cracks it just right. Oh, then it's nighttime. 
and she, you know, she's like, think of this dough like the bosoms of your Nora. And he kind of chuckles nervously. Oh my. And then she makes him do it again himself. You know, the whole thing. He, he gets going. Then he, he says he can't. And she says that he can. He, you know, she's like, their hands aren't that different. He's like, sure. His are like five giant sausages or whatever, but you know, they can do delicate work. And he's like, assembling the bombs have always required a nibble touch, I suppose. And she's like, think of each fettuccine as um, a explosive of feelings for your Nora. Now cut. So he starts cutting um, the, the pasta. And then she's, you know, they're like hanging it up to dry or whatever you do. King Shark's still typing away on his laptop, you know, because he says that he was hoping there would be more villainous IT needs and not just people needing help punching in. Captain Cold says that he's like, oh, you know, he's enjoying watching him work. And he's like kind of like rubbing his shoulder. And Nora's like, hey, he's like, you're supposed to be massaging my neck or whatever. Like, but, you know, he, and then they start like, like finger gun shooting at each other or whatever. And Nora's like, I can't die watching two men, you know, nerd over tech. So then she sees that there's an emergency case on a wall with an ambigulator. So she like smashes it. She's like, we can use this to make the building bigger and the armor will pop off. King Shark yells. He's like, no. He's like, Nora, I need this. It's my time to prove that I'm more than just a dad. And his laptop chimes. He's like, and oh, ooh la la. I just got through another firewall. He's like, a few more minutes and we are good too. And then Nora shoots a beam you know, from the, the gun. It kind of bounces all over the walls. Hits King Shark's hands. Oh, I've been ambiguated. I can't hack like that. His hands are like really huge. And she's like, ah, crap, it's a single use. <laughs> Bane's sleeping on the floor in the kitchen. The lady like wakes him up with her foot. Time to mangia. He's like, oh, I love pasta. Grazie, signora. She slaps him. No, not signora. You call me mama. Mama macaroni. Like mama macaroni? Yes, my cousin's ristorante. Our name is a macaroni, but they change it at Ellis Island. <laughs> So it's funny because that's what Jim Gordon called it. He called it Mama Macaroni's, and Barbara's like, it's macaroni. So Bane eats some pasta. This is the most delicious pasta I have ever had. Who made this? And she's like, you did. What? When? Il buffoon. You are the second greatest pasta maker in all of Italy. And quietly, I am a pasta maker? Mama, I may have been born in a prison, but I have been living in a prison of my own making. The warden, my self-doubt, I have become the thing that I sought. Thank you, Mama, and gives her a big hug. King Shark, meanwhile, is like freaking out over his giant hands. He's like, how am I going to drive home? Oh, fudge, my babysitter must be in triple overtime by now. Nora's like kind of straddling Captain Cole's lap. She's like, how many times have I asked you not to mention children in my presence? And then over to Intercom. Lex is like, enough with your female antics. It's time to turn up the heat. And then Captain Cole's like, sounds like a pun, but that's literally what he did. How embarrassing. And then Lex is like, I did mean it as a pun. It, it's a double entendre, if anything, but that's irrelevant because I meant to turn on the poison paper. And you're like, where's the poison paper at? And he's like, <laughs> so King Shark's laptop is actually starting to overheat. Then Nora complains that her pits are gushing. And Cole's like, well, I'll cool you down. She starts like zapping her. And she's like, oh, do my elbows are in. Lex gets the poison vapor to work, so now like green gas is coming through the vents. She tells Captain Cole, she's like, cover that vent. He's like, I can't. It's too high. Then she's like, where's that explosion guy when you need him? And then he's like, you mean Bane? She's like, oh, now I'm supposed to learn everyone's name? And then she's like, okay. So poor Bane. She doesn't even know what his name is. Bane picks up. He's packing up the, the pasta in his, his luggage, his little roller suitcase. He asks Mama if she can part with any parm for his trip home. And she's like, home? He's like, yeah. 
He says he's off to Gotham with all the secrets that he's learned in their short but meaningful time together. And she's like, no. And she's like, now you will take over my business and be my heir. But mama, you fixed my problem, so I don't need you any. And then she throws her like little coffee cup at him. And then she starts like hitting with a rolling pin. You cannot come into this country, steal from us, and then leave. You are a cultural tourist. What now? You're going to sell my story to some a-hole streaming service? Mama, let's be reasonable. You think I would teach you a craft I spent uh, my whole life perfecting and expect nothing in return? And then slam, and hits him again with a rolling pin. He, he goes down. He's knocked out. Nora, Cold, and King Shark walk through the building, and she said that if they're going to die under her watch, they're going to die looking like supermodels. So she's like, this is where I stash all the hair product, diet snacks, and little pink guns that brand send to Ivy hoping to get her endorsement. Cole's like, it's also where I put that volcano, volcano girl. And then she falls out of the second, like, big, you know, metal cabinet. And, and she's, they see that there's gas masks in there. And Nora sees that there's, like, she's like, oh, there's gum. <laughs> you know, the gum's not going to do him any good. So then they put on the mask and Volcano's like, she's like, this is literally the most flammable closet in all of Gotham. And, you know, that's where they stuck her. Because there's, like, hairspray, there's gunpowder, there's snack made with highly combustible ingredients. She's like, I'm lucky I didn't explode. Nora's like, explode? Like an explosion? And she's like, yes. And then she's, Nora's like, hmm. Bane wakes up, sees Mama drinking an espresso. His hands and his legs are tied, and his, his tubes are sticking in like a can of olive oil. No! And she's like, you will pay the price for your insolence with a death. Can't we sit and talk this over an aperitivo? She grabs his hand and starts pulling him towards like a meat grinder. Mama, not my fingers. I need them to pleasure Nora with my calligraphy and to continue working as a semi-famous villain in Gotham. And she's like, wait, you are semi-famous? And then she's hold, holding the phone up to him. Oh, Clayface, hi, it's, uh, it's me, Bane. No, no, Bane from uh, Exploding Things. Yes, so look, my former mentor has me at knife point and she's demanding tickets to your Vegas show. Front row, front row. Front row, she says. Um, uh, you want me to headbutt Poison Ivy on the Gotham News Live just to embarrass her? But she's my Nora's boss. Mama sticks like a knife up to his face. You got a deal. And she hangs up the phone. Bravo, il buffoon. Urgh. King Shark pries open an elevator door with his big hands, his giant hands. Slices the elevator cable because he's got giant claws now. And they start throwing like hairspray and gunpowder and all diet snacks all down the shaft. Then King Shark, he's like, I could carry so much stuff with my big hands. Look, I'm carrying like 20 diet sodas. Somebody take a pic. Captain Cold takes a picture. <laughs> Nora suggests that they might as well throw down the invigilator because you know, she doesn't know how to put it back on the wall. King Shark says, like, oh, this is just like Die Hard. And Nora's like, oh, that over-referenced action movie that's been parodied into oblivion? Well, not today. Then she punches Volcano in the gut, and she, like, bars up some some lava. She's like, you could have just asked me. Then, whoosh, a big ball of flame starts coming up. King Shark, you know, closes the door. Big explosion at the top of the headquarters and through to, like, the big metal dome. Lex cries, you scorpion woman. Ah! The explosion can be seen on the moon. Then a dude calls Lex, uh, Mr. Luther, an explosion in Gotham uh, invigilated the atmosphere and pushed uh, 304 centimeters, I mean, 10 feet higher. We are now in range to regenerate the ozone. And he's like, smash that follow, professor. The laser shoots, and then there's like a big red cloud over Gotham, like swirling, swirling clouds. Bane says, 
farewell to the little thief boys. He got his Vespa back. They're hanging upside down, like tied to a tree. And they're like, ciao, ciao, toilet. As he drives, the sky's like almost on fire. like all his colors. I know see the world and artistic way the Italians do. But it's really because of the clouds and everything that's happening. Then Nora's like, we did it, co-workers. Because she doesn't know their names, probably. And uh, Captain Cole's like, pretty sure we all have concussions. But I slept great. Uh, should we get bagels? Volcana says that they still have no idea where Ivy is. Then King Shark says, he's like, when's the swelling going to go down? <laughs> and Captain Cole's like, tell me about it. Because... He's got blue balls. Um, then they finally see outside how gray and smoky it is. And Nora's like, who turned off the sun? King Shark screams. He's like, my babies, they need me. He takes off. Volcana asks Nora if she thinks Lex did this. And Cole's like, ah, oh, who cares? He's like, let's find someplace private before the world ends. And Nora's like, not now. I want free stuff. So everyone's looting. Nora jumps through a store window. Or, you know, She jumps out. And she's like, does anyone want a laminator? Then Bane arrives and calls out to her, Mi amore! And she's like, Explosions guy. He was like, where were you when I needed you? I was in Italia trying to replace the handle of Ivy's pasta maker for you. I failed, but in my journey of self-discovery, I achieved something far better. Sono il pasto. And he opens up the suitcase full of pasta and like Norris pictures like right on top. He... And then he holds like the case, the suitcase over his head. I am the pasta maker! And she's like, yeah, I had pasta for lunch. So Bane sighs in despair. It's like all that for nothing. And then she's like, hey, can you break that window for me? I want the beach umbrella, which she had when Ivy and Harley arrived. But I thought you wanted pasta. Oh, who am I to question my Nora's whim? He throws a suitcase to her. And it still has a picture in her. Cut to the present. Uh, she tells Ivy and Harley, nice to have joined them for the apocalypse. And then Ivy's like, wait, did it already happen? Time sphere, Molotov cocktail, boom, they gas. And then you're, whoops, my bad. It was King Shark. I meant to hit that fancy diaper store that I've been afraid to go in. These hands have no precision. Nora calls out the Bane, keep up, explosions, guys. And then uh, they see on the news, news uh, Tawny, what's her name? She says that the Earth Saver by Lex is up and running, thickening the ozone, but Gotham wonders, is it too thick? It seems as if Lex has blocked out the sun, and even worse, he has refused their request for comment. Then Superman lands. He's like, halt, looters. They kind of like turn around to go away from him. He goes to fly after them. Boom. Falls on the ground. Oh, no, the sun. He wraps himself in his cape. Stay away. Nobody touch me. It's like, where's the nearest tanning salon? Do we still have those as a culture? Then Ivy's like, oh, my God, did Lex Luth do this just to fudge Superman? And Harley's like, oh, I've done you know some worse stuff to fudge less, but that's some petty poop. And then that's where it ends. So Lex caused the apocalypse. Uh, and uh, I, that's it. I, I mean, we know from the future that that's it. The, there's no coming back from this. They're too late. The time sphere blew up. So, yeah, it was, I mean, not the best episode by far, but I, I thought it was funny. And I don't know don't know if it was just Bane. Um, Nora's kind of growing on me. She can be annoying, but, you know, it was kind of funny. And I, I'm not a King Shark fan, but whatever. So that was, a, that was a Harley Quinn. Um, I think there's two more episodes left to talk about. All right, Twisted Metal, Season 1, Episode 9. R04DK11Roadkill. So I think I think I'm going to just do one episode again. It's uh, making it things a little more manageable for me. I think it makes the show go smoother. 
I know some people like binging and I know I go on and on about how much I hate binging just because of the sake of the show. But I just, I feel like when I talk about more than one episode because of how in depth I go and I, I try summarizing it more, but I, I, I can't. And I don't know if anyone really, if it bothers anyone, but I, I feel like when it's just one episode that is a more digestible amount to, to just, you know, do the recap. So I don't know. So I, I think we'll do do one episode and then next week will be the final of the season. I have no idea just the fate of the show. I don't know if it's just going to wrap up, if everything's you know tied up or whatever, or if there's a possibility or whatever. So we'll start with it. Uh, Sweet Tooth opens up the back of his his truck and Mike is cowering in there. So Mike's the, the other guard dude that kind of turned on Stu and Sweet Tooth's like, puppy, want to help? And then he like pushes on this like a, a button, and Mike has like a shot collar on him, and Mike's like, "Yes, he's like puppy want wants want to help." So they pull him out, they they toss him on the ground, and there's like these open crates with ammo. It looks like like it's big things, something's in there, and there's a bunch of dead guys with blood, and like pools of blood, like they're just dead. And Mike's like, "Did you kill all these guys?" And Stu's like, "Yeah." Well, I mean, he did most of it. And Sweet Tooth's like, oh, you know, he says to he's like, you nicked that nerdy guy over there in the thigh meat. Probably hit an artery. Granted, I had to finish him off, you know, but all that wailing. And then he's, you know, he's like, oh, don't worry. He's like, you'll get there. So then he picks up a big, like, rocket missile or something like that. And he, like, kind of tosses it to Mike and he barely catches it. He's like, here, catch. He's like, that's a good boy. Now load up the rest. So then Mike's like, please just let me go. He's like, I told you everything I know about stone. And Sweet Tooth starts like spraying him with like a bottle or something like that. It's like some yellowish liquid. So he's like, bad dog, he no speak. And then he like runs out of, he's like, oh, I'm out of ammo. So he leaves Stu to watch over him. And as Mike's loading missiles, he's, he's like, you know, that psychopath's not your friend, right? And Stu's like, oh, and you are? You sold me out to stone for a pat on the head. Mike said that he's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, I was wrong. And, and he's like, and you, you're wrong about that clown. He's going to kill a lot of people, you know, maybe even us. And Sue's like, he's like, no, he's not, he's not stone. And he's like, Sweet Tooth listens to me. He's like, we're the, the S brothers. And Mike kind of looks at him confused. He's like, both our names start with S. And he like kind of shakes his head. He's like, you know, what I've known you, you know, since we were throwing crayons at some kid in, in the second grade. He's like, this isn't you. And then Sweet Tooth comes back with more ammo. <laughs> He's like, oh, I think there's some kidney stones in there. I need to drink more water. So it was pee. I was wondering, like, what's he spraying it with? Because it's like yellowish liquid. It's like, is it? It's pee, which is gross. <laughs> and so then he he kind of senses something's up between the two. Then Stu says that Stone thinks that they're dead. He's like, you know, we can go anywhere in the world. He's like, what if we just, you know, start over maybe? And Sweet Tooth kind of sits there. And then he's like, nah. He's like, I got a better idea. So then they're driving. Sweet Tooth says, uh, you know, they look phenomenal because they both have kind of like clown makeup on, like white makeup with like, you know, red, red on their nose and, you know, black stuff around their eyes. And then he tells Harold uh, the paper bag. He's like, open wide. And he pulls out a, a bottle of, like lighter fluid. And he squirts it on top of his, his own head. And he hands like one of those like long lighter things to stew. And he asks, he's like, well, you know, if, if you'll do the honors, he's, he's like, I'll tell you when. So it's like, wait, what? John's walking with Evelyn's steering wheel. You know, the car's gone. It's just burnt. So then he, he walks by some like overturned burning cars. He finds Quiet's hatchet and he's like, You're an idiot, John Doe. 
Quiet's driving the like the the car that, that she took, and she's one. She's like trying to look at the map. She's like, "How am I ever gonna you know follow this map?" And she's like, "Is that a vagina?" Because there's like a little drawing, you know, all these weird stuff in there. And then she has to swerve because there's like a, a dead deer in the road, and she kind of like goes off the road, you know, into like a ditch and gets gets stuck there. John's looking at the spot where Quiet hid the the bag, the package, and it's not there. And then his looks at his watch. He has forty eight hours left. So then he comes across this old car, tries hot, hot wiring it, but it's like not doing anything. But then he noticed there's like a CB in there. Quiet tries like pushing the car out of the ditch, but but she can't. She's like cursing everything, whatever. You know, they were supposed to be partners, etc. You know, all this stuff. And then his car pulls up and there's this dude like in armor, like kind of like tired armor and kind of like a lower half mask. He comes out with a gun and she yells him. She's like, go ahead, easiest kill of your life. And he's like, uh, are you okay? And she screams, do I look okay? And, and then they end up like talking. They're sitting on the back of the, the car in the ditch, you know, off to the side. And he's eating like Vienna sausages from a can or something like that. And he, the, the dude's like, damn, that milkman did you wrong. It's like, you never know where you stand with someone till push comes to shove. Reminds me of my ex, Tasha. He's like, the two of us used to love jacking people, scavenging, having fun. We were thick as thieves. And Quiet's like, it sounds like you were just thieves. He's like, yeah. And then she left me for her true love. And, and then... Uh, Quiet's like, uh, mm. it's like, you know, John had someone else too. And he's like, oh, let me guess, you know, blonde, you know, with all curves and right places, blah, blah, all, you know, all this stuff. And then she's like, uh, that's very descriptive. She's like, no, it was a 2002 uh, Subaru. And he's like, oh, kinky. He's like, not that I'm judging. She's like, Tasha left me for meth. He's like, she loved that blue crystal, the beautiful blue crystal so much, it killed her. So then he says that, like, she says something about their, their vulture nest broke up soon after. And then she mentions, like, you know, the whole vulture thing. She's like, you know, it's kind of lame and, and stuff like that. He's like, yeah, I know. But, you know, he's like, look at me. He's like, I don't enjoy dressing in tire armor, but, you know, I'm a vulture through and through. And then he gets off the, the back of, of her car. And he pulls out his gun again. And she's like, come on, Mark. He said that was his name. He's like, I thought we were bonding. And he's like, yes, we shared a moment. And it was lovely. And you're a great person. But that's not going to stop me from taking that fancy backpack you're so keen on. And then she kind of re- reaches for her side. She realizes that she doesn't have her hatchet. It's not in like the little holster thing. Then she's like, fine, you want it? go get it and she like tosses it like behind him like by his car he's like now that's just childish so he turns to go get it she runs to like the back seat of her car and there's like a shotgun in there and but he turns around before she can reach it and he's about to shoot her but then he gets like shot in the head with with like an arrow and and then he's like he's like tasha i'm coming baby and he like falls over then a big semi comes, like honks his horn. Hanging out the pasture side is Amber, the lady who did the the, the medicine. She was with the pharmacist that, that made all the, the flower stuff. And she's like, need a lift? So they bring the car inside. I think, the, you know, they actually they brought uh, Mark's car inside. Because at first I thought they brought her a car. And Quiet asked Watts. So, so Watts is in the truck. And she's like, how'd you know I was out here? And she's like, we didn't. And then she kind of like points back. There's John standing. So Amber, you know, gives him a couple flowers. He walks up to her. He's like, hey. He's like, I'm so happy I could find you. It's like, I figured you'd follow the map. She's just like staring at him in silence. Like, you know, she's shocked to see him. And he's like, because, you know, she thought he was dead. Like, she saw an explosion. He's like, sorry for everything I put you through out there. It's like, I made a mistake. And she's like, where's Evelyn? And John's like, she didn't make it. And Quiet's like, cool. So it was worth it then. And she just like walks past him. 
So they, they uh, must then they, they must hook up with the rest of the convoy because then you know Quiet's sitting at a table and then John comes with like two plates of food. He said that he brought like squirrel and possum. He wasn't sure which he'd prefer. And he's going on. He's trying to be like cute and everything like that, saying all this stuff. He's like, oh, just, you know, the chef said possum. The possum is really tender. And he's like, he likes to put like all the herbs and spices on there, fills them up, and you know, just doing all this stuff. And without even looking at him, she just kind of like flick flicks up the plate off the table onto the floor. Watts comes up. She's like, come on, quiet. She's like, don't do that. It's like squirrels don't grow on trees. Well, they, they kind of do, but you know they're, they're hard to, to, to hit because they're so small. And so then she's like, I got good news and bad news. Which you want first? And John's like, good news. And quiet's like, bad. And she's just kind of taken aback. She's like, I'm glad to see you're on, on the same page. And so she's, she's a girl that's you know half glass, half empty or something like that. So she starts with bad. Stone's men fell back to the dam ever since um, that, that, that clown took out his bases. And Quiet's like, Sweet Tooth, he's still kicking around? So she's like, he's got Stone all hot and bothered, so getting to new San Francisco through the dam ain't going to work. He's like, the good news is, I heard of another way through. There's a hole in Stone's blockade. It's a night drive from here. We can get you close, but after that, I'm taking a convoy north. She's like, we don't want any part in this fight. So if you want to get through, you're going to need one mother trucker of a car. And John's like, it sounds like we have our work cut out for us. And Quiet like looks at him. So there's a we now. And she's like, get this straight. The only reason I haven't thrown you from the back of this fudging rig is because I want inside. I want a new life. A life where I don't have to look at your fudging face every minute. And she takes a bite of food and wants like, uh, good talk. And she like walks away. Stone's talking to his men, blah, 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 all this stuff. It was like, whatever. He's standing. This is kind of ridiculous. Just a humongous stack of, of smashed cars. And it's like, it goes on forever, it seems like. It's like, like 15, 16 set, like cars high. How'd they even stack it that high and not have it tip over? And it's just ridiculous. He talks about his grandfather being a rancher and like herding, you know, cattle and driving them where you need to go. And if there's a hole in the, the fence and blah, blah, all this stuff. John and Quiet are working on uh, Mark DeVulture's car. John's about to look under the hood and then, uh, you know, quiets inside in the passenger seat. She pries open a glove box. She finds a couple of cans of food, probably more sausage. And she finds a CD, like Sex Tunes for Tasha with a number four. So it's like, you know, mixed CD. The, the trucks kind of swerve, whatever, and a wrench falls off. And John asks Quiet if, if she can get that for him since his hands are like deep in the engine. And she's like, oh, you need this? So she picks up and she like throws it at him. He's like, hey, he's like, I said I was sorry. He's like, you know, what else do you want from me? And she's like, um, for you to eat poop and kiss my ass. And he's like, well, which one should I do at first? Because the order matters. He's like, I want to make sure I get it right. And there's more silence. And, you know, then he's like, come on, talk to me. And she's like, why? It doesn't matter. He's like, of course it matters. She's like, BS. She's like, if it mattered, you would have come with me instead of choosing to stay with a, you know, with a fudging car. She's like, you told me we're partners in this, but we're not. I'm a passenger riding shotgun. He's like, quiet. And she's like, you got something snappy to say now, John? You gonna tell me how, how wrong I was? When I watched that fireball explode in the woods, I thought you were fudging dead. I thought I'd lost you. And I'm so fudging tired of losing people. You And you knew that, John. And you didn't care because you don't care about anyone but you. And she grabs like a sharp tool or like a screwdriver or something like that. Jams it in a, t- in a front tire. Oh, tire's got a leak. And she walks, walks to the back. Quiet then wakes up because there's like this little like so, sort of sofa in there. John's still working on the car. And then she grabs some tool. She goes back inside and she looks in, a, in the glove box. She sees like her hatchets, like in there's like a little holder, sort of like in a glove box. And she's looking at it, it says shh on the back. 
I don't know if it was always there, if he engraved it, whatever. And then John kind of leans in through the, the, the driver's window. He's like, that was supposed to be a surprise. Figured you'd like easy access. He's like, but but if you don't, he's like, I can take it out. You can you know, use it for whatever you want. And she's like, no, it's fine. I like it. And then you know he gets in. He's like, quiet. He's like, I fudged up. He's like, Evelyn has been my home for 20-something years. Before her, I just felt cold alone and and i promised myself i'd never feel like that again so losing her meant i would go back to being that same sad ass little boy but that's not even what hurt the most look in the, the past 10 days we fought tried to kill each other did interesting things to each other his body in a ball pit she just kind of like rolls her eyes he's like i can't imagine day 11 without you he's like i'm better with you i think maybe you're better with me too he's like i know what i did was poopy and i'm sorry I don't have to be in the driver's seat all the time. I want to be a partner if that's still a thing. Quiet's like, it was pretty poopy. He's like, it was the poopiest. There was like this big lurch and like the, 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 the car kind of or truck bumps and then she ends up kind of closer to John. He's like, damn girl. He's like, you're going to jump up on it already? And then she hits him. She's like, he's like, ow. Because, you know, she's hitting his arm. He's like, she's like, come on, man. She's like, something's wrong. And an alarm goes off. Your trucker one goes, drive by, we're taking fire. And she's, he, John's like, it's a law, get down. Trucker two's like, we have casualty in rigged four, you know, all this stuff like that. So Watts is ticked off. She says to John, she's like, some piece of POS lawman killed three of my drivers. Like, you know, we're going to make it more than even. And she's like, if I were you, I'd get some better artillery than some, you know, dinky pea shooters that everyone, you know, has or something like that. And she's like, you know, Quiet has the right idea. And she, she's looking at, at all these guns on the wall. She picks this big, huge, like, assault rifle. I don't know what type of gun it is, but it's like this massive, like, assault rifle. And she tells John that, she's like, this one speaks to me. He's like, it speaks to me, too. It says, I'm too heavy. And she's like, the, the car can handle it. He says, it's about balance. And, you know, they, they keep kind of, like, taking it, like, putting it back and forth. And he's like, we have weapons, armor, speed, and handling. Too much of one, you lose the other. Car's too heavy, low speed, sluggish handling. So if we're going to add any weight, I'd say we add armor. She's like, if you're fast enough, it won't matter. And he's like, did you just give me a compliment? And she's like, I said if. And then they walk by this windshield. And because like the vulture had just like kind of like a metal, like mesh, wire mesh, like instead of like a windshield. I mean, there might have been, there's probably glass here, but he's like, I I can't believe Watt's head is just lying around because they're like putting a new windshield in. He's like, you know how rare ballistic glass is? And she's like, it's a windshield, you dork, relax. He's like, this poop is bulletproof. And she's like, how do you know all this stuff anyways? And he's like, mm, you, you know, you just try different pieces till you find the one that fits. She's like, that doesn't make any sense. Somebody had to teach you how, how to do this. And John's like, some things come natural, like breathing or driving. And she's like, no, it's not natural. You have to be taught how to drive. He's like, nuh-uh. And she's like, uh-huh, nuh-uh, uh-huh. And then, you know, finally she's like, babies don't know how to drive. She's like, think about that. He's like, he, you know, she, she got, got him there. So then later, John's sitting behind a wheel, looks at the burnt photo, puts in the visor, starts up the car, and he smiles, and, you know, and she's there. And he's like, what do you want to name her? And she's like, Psh. and she's like, I don't know. I mean, how do you decide, how did you decide an Evelyn? And he's like, mm, mm. And she just felt like an, an Evelyn. And I found a license plate that said Evelyn. So she's like, okay, thief. She's like, I don't know. It's like, this hunk of junk feels like roadkill. And he's like, roadkill. I love it. 
and he's like, I just, I wish we had some tunes. Then she just holds up like the sex tunes disc. He's like, oh no, not a mix. He's like, no, that's like Russian roulette. And she's like, come on, for Tasha. Put the, the CD in, Epic by Faith No More plays. And they approve. And he's like, you got lucky. And I mean, it is a good song. <laughs> I, had, I After I watched this episode, I, I had to listen to that, that whole album. <laughs> so then he radios watch. He's like, we're ready to roll. So they come out the back, they drive in front of the truck. She's like, I think we're ready to fudge poop up. And he's like, oh, there's a we now? He, and then he's like, look, if we don't make it, and she's like, fudge that poop. She's like, let's go. So roadkill and the truck, they head down this road. There's, we see the huge stack of cars. Again, it's, it's like 15, 16 cars high. It's so ridiculous. So she's like, so this is Stone's blockade? They, there's like a, a little opening in a the road. They both drive through. The truck barely fits. And Amber's, you know, she's up in the front with, with Watts. And she's like, I don't see any lawmen. She's like, maybe they all left. So, and uh, Quiet's like, a car graveyard's not creepy at all. So they're just like driving. And he's like, huh. He's like, resist it. And she's like, what, what'd you say? He's like, what? He's like, I'm just saying what they're saying. And it's painted on the side of the cars. And she sees a pink hearse. Pretty sure it was hers. Because I, I, I'm not sure. I didn't, I, I think it was like upside down. Because her car flipped. But it looked like it, the car was in better condition. I don't know. And then she's like, Stone's here. He's like, what? And then you see a sniper scope is pointed at quiet as the car is driving. Stone's standing up by this billboard. Shoots. Shoots at, at, at quiet. But it's the ballistic windshield or whatever. It bounces off. So then Watts radios. She's like, why'd you stop? And then there's like another shot. And then officers start popping up of scattered cars like all around. And John's like, got to hand it to that guy. He's got good traps. So quiet radios for a little help. And Amber's like, we're on it. And, you know, she gets a gun ready. Watts is suited up and she's going to go out like in, in her race car because, you know, she's just like ticked off. Quiet puts her hands on like John's hand on the gear shift. And then they hear like an upbeat jingle. And they're, they're like, wait, what the heck is that? They, they start looking. Closed caption says upbeat jingle. <laughs> That's why I said that. So they start looking around because they're confused. And then, like missiles start like flying and it's like swerving blows up a couple car sweet tooth driving through the records laughing and stone stone like grunts himself he's like i'm so sick of that fudging clown so then sweet tooth like it's time Stu, light her up so he he does the top of sweet tooth's head catches fire which i think i don't know if it was in twisted metal black was there a twisted metal where sweet tooth's head was on fire and it's like, how, how is that even possible? So it's like his skin just going to, is he going to die from this? Is it just going to burn? It's going to be caught crispy? So he's, his head looks like on fire, almost like goes just the top of his head above his mask. He just like growls because it's got to hurt. And he starts laughing. He's like, time to play. And that's where the episode ends. So one more episode. Uh, and um, uh, as I, as I record this right now, I haven't watched that last episode yet. And, um, it, it's I'm in suspense too. It's like yeah, if, if I could, I would have watched the next episode right away. But because of time and trying to read comics, and so next week find out how it ends. Okay, then uh, Ahsoka, Star Wars Ahsoka, Ahsoka, whatever it's called, a uh, season one, episode four, part four, Fallen Jedi. So it's like Fallen Jedi. And at first, I you know you always think about the, the titles, like who who could that be referring to? obvious it's, it's got to be Balan, right Balan. so it starts off Hoang and sabine are working on fixing the ship 
and you know she's trying to get the comms working again to, to call Hera, but Alder getting ecstatic, and then you know she's like, "Where's Ahsoka?" And Wing's like, "Outside." So she goes out there. Ahsoka's just like standing by the trees, and she you know she says, "You know the comms are down. They they can't send a distress signal, and their ship isn't going anywhere." And Ahsoka's like, "Huang said that you know their ground base isn't far, so she's like, you know, start there." So Sabine's like, "Sounds good." She starts heading back, and then Ahsoka's like, "The enemy has the map and the means to get where that you know they want to go." I fear we face a difficult choice. And Sabine's like, "Which is?" Ahsoka says, "If we can't make the journey to find Ezra, then no one should." And Sabine's kind of like, "It won't come to that." And Ahsoka's like, "It might have already." And she's like, he'd be stranded out there, maybe this time for good. And Ahsoka's like, better that than allowing Thrawn's return as heir to the Empire. So then there's like more silence. And then Sabine's like, let's find that ground base. So she starts heading back in ship again. And Ahsoka's like, Sabine, can I count on you? And she's like, you know you can. So then Huang comes out as like she goes inside and he's like, is everything all right? And then she's like, you know, be careful out here. So he starts working on the outside because he's supposed to be working on the comms. I think they said that that's a priority. But in the trees, there's like a droid watching because you see like a mechanical hand. At the stone circle, Balan and Morgan are standing there. Shin and Marak approach. So Shin tells Balan that they received word. You know, they've located the Jedi starship. So the droid reported back to him. So it's about a dozen clicks from from there. And he tells them to move in. Morgan says that the guards will not delay them long. And, you know, he's like looking at Shin. He's like, but you will. So they head out. Balan says to Morgan, you know, best that they head out soon. Then Morgan's like, is that a note of fear in your voice? And he's like, experience. Huang's still working on the outside when some, uh, like, some some people approach. uh, It's like droids, soldiers, the aliens, whatever. Inside Sabine's like armoring up, she's checking her weapons, and Ahsoka sees her kind of almost like frantically searching in her bag for something, like some part of something. So she she goes over and it's like off to the side. So she picks it up and she like hands it to her to Sabine. And Sabine's like, Don't worry about me. And she's like, I'm not. And Sabine's like, Good. And then Ahsoka's like, Should I be? And Sabine's like, What? And she's like, Worried? Nope. I know how much Ezra means to you. Sometimes we have to do what's right, regardless of our personal feelings. And Sabine's like, you really believe that? And Ahsoka's like, when the stakes are this high, I have to. So Huang's finishing up outside. He kind of admires his work. And then he looks around the trees and an assassin droid pops up and then tries like like punching him, whatever. He kind of dodges and blocks because, you know, he was a Jedi training droid or droid, whatever he does. So he's, I guess he's kind of got some moves. He's also got these like other... Arm, little short arms like in his back or something like that so he's doing okay in the fight but but then he kind of gets shoved against the the ship and he's they starts calling out for help but then the assassin droid covers his mouth to like muffle him i guess you know, if it's a speaker there it would still kind of muffle it so then three more uh something aliens or something start coming so he he hits the assassin like wire spark uh, you know, by the ship and inside the ship powers down so sabine's like that daft droid made it worse and sabine's like or ahsoka's like he wouldn't so she ignites her her lightsabers sabine puts on her helmet grabs her blasters outside they see what the situation is ahsoka starts slashing deflecting bolts 
Sabine, you know, shoots one by Huang. Then they're they're taking out droids and aliens. Sabine gets like shot a couple times, but so I'm assuming her armor has Buskar or whatever. So Ahsoka uses the force to shove some. Sabine uses her cable to get over here to another one, and then it's like silent. And Huang gets up. He says that the, you know this will set him back a bit. So this this is where Ahsoka's like prioritize the transmitter above everything else. It's like I need you to contact General Sindula as soon as you can. Then he start walking off, and Huang is like, "If I can make one request," and he's like, "Stay together. You always did better that way, in my opinion." And Sabine's like, "You know," or they like look at each other. Ahsoka's like, "We better get moving," and then Sabine's like, "Together." So like Huang, and he's like, "Oh, very good." And they they run off. He's like, "You'll thank me." So then on a rebel ship, uh, Hera, Jason, and, and Chopper are heading to her ship. That Hawkins dude, he was like out in the hallway, like before she met with like the holo like senators in Monmanta. He like calls out to her and she kind of ignores him at first. And then he, she's like, I'm not just going to sit around and do nothing, Lieutenant. He's like, but you can't leave without authorization. And she's like, watch me. And the, the dude's like, there's a meeting at a general staff. She's like, what do I tell him? She's like, you'll think of something. So inside the, the, the cockpit, her kid, Jason, he's like, Mom, how come I have to do what I'm told and you don't? And Chopper's like, rah, 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 something. And Hera's like, well, when you're a general, you can disobey orders too. Until then, buckle up. As they head out, like five X-Wings fly next to her, including Carson, the, the X-Wing ranger dude that's like in Mandalorian and everything. So she thanks him for coming. He's like, wouldn't miss it, general. And he's like, you know, you're risking an awful lot by doing this. And Hera's like, well, you know how it is. Once a rebel, always a rebel. They go to light speed. Baylan and Morgan are still staring out in the, the, the crops, the stone, not crops, the stone circle. And she's like, once the guideline has been established, we will be able to calculate the hyperspace coordinates. And he's like, for the jump we're attempting, if your calculations are off by even a little, we will be lost to the depths of the void. And she puts her hand like over the sphere and she's like, have faith. He's like, faith? I lost that a long time ago. So she makes the sphere hover, calls up the map, enlarges it around them. The droid on like the ring, the big ship, starts calculating the, the hyperspace coordinates. Ahsoka and Sabine are still running and then they stop because they come up again. You know, Shin and, and Marak are, are, are standing there. And it's like this big stare down. Then Shin's like, going somewhere? So, and then another long stare down. Then Sabine pulls out both blasters, starts shooting at Shin, pew, 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 and she's like blocking with her lightsaber. And then they kind of go off to the side a little bit. So it's like, they're, they're separating already. And it's like, they're not supposed to. Ahsoka just kind of stands there. Merak, zoom, zoom, turns on both sides of his double blade. Ahsoka, she just turns on one of them. So even though she has two, she's like, I'm only gonna use one against you because you're a dork. And then they, they kind of like slowly start like circling around each other. And then Merrick like moves forward to start his attack. Shin's like running and blocking. It's like, is she scared? Is she running away? Or is she leading Sabine somewhere? Probably trying to lead her away from Ahsoka. That would be the smart thing. She like kind of ducks behind a tree. And then she like force shoves Sabine back. She hits another tree. Her helmet comes off because those helmets never stay on. I don't know how they do it, how, how they're practical. And Shin um, starts like swinging. Sabine does like sort of leans back, does like a limbo dodge, and then she takes out her or Ezra's lightsaber, turns it on. Ahsoka and Mara continue swinging and clashing, 
and then uh, hyperspace coordinates are still being calculated. Ahsoka does like a, she dodges back and then she just kind of stands there with her saber like up like over her head. And Merrick starts making his double space light spader light saber <laughs> edit. <laughs> he makes his a uh, double lightsaber start spinning like a propeller because you know they, they got that round handle the the Inquisitors do. And Ahsoka's just like kind of standing there, and then he moves forward to attack. And then he kind of falters. He falls down. She manages to slice him across his chest. So it was, it was a pretty slick move. Sabine and, and Shin are still fighting. Blades are like, you know, clashing against each other. So then Merrick's lightsaber turns off as he falls to his knees. And then I don't understand this. Maybe because I don't know the whole history. What the heck is up with these Inquisitors? But then it's like this weird green smoke kind of like spurts out of his chest. And he kind of like does this little scream or something like that. That catches Shin's attention, which you would think hopefully Sabine would use that to, you know, take advantage of that. And then Sabine kind of yells at Ahsoka, which is, is not a good idea. She's like, go, She's like, get the map. And then Shin turns to Sabine and, you know, Sabine's like, I got this. So Ahsoka leaves and then Shin's like, you, you will regret this decision. I don't know about this Shin girl. I mean, she's she's very arrogant. She's good, but I don't know. Sometimes it seems like she's not, I, I don't know. So coordinates are about halfway calculated because there's like this big spin dial like thing, your clock or that's like showing the progress. Morgan tells Balin that she's gonna go prepare for the departure and you know, she tells him to protect the map until she sends for him. Ahsoka approaches the stone circle. She sees, you know, from, you know, the, the big map is turned on. And then, you know, she, as she gets closer, she sees Balan's like sitting with his like cloak up. She, she gets closer and he's like, you know, he must have sensed her or something like that. He's like, Anakin spoke highly of you. And she, uh, Ahsoka's like, interesting. He never mentioned you. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> so he, st- he stands up, takes off his cloak. He's like, everyone in the Order knew Anakin Skywalker. Few would live to see what he became. Surely that must leave a mark. Is that why you walked away? Abandoned him? She like takes off her cloak or whatever. I'm not here to discuss my past. And Balin's like, the only reason I'm here is to secure the future. And she's like, for you? Something far greater. And so it's like, ambitious? Necessary. And she's like, and you find starting another war necessary? She's like, I'm not starting a war, but Thrawn will. It's an unfortunate evil, but speaks to a greater truth. One must destroy in order to create. So Soka pulls out a lightsaber from her belt, and he does too. So again, she only she's only taken out one. It's like, why not both of them? And, and he's like, how inevitable that they're going to fight? So they ignite their lightsabers, start circling you know, each other. They get into like different stands. And then they, he seems to rely more like on brute strength. Like he's just like really swinging down hard against her, which I guess is something. But you would think with the force that you can kind of still block it. I don't know. And then he, and as the fight kind of goes on, he does what I always think is like a cheap move. He uses the force to like throw like a stone at her. And then she just, you know, dodges it, slices it in half. Sabine and, and Shin are still going at it. Thank goodness. Because uh, you know, things didn't go too well for Sabine last time. And Sabine, at one point, she gets an elbow to the face. And then uh, she must have dropped her lightsaber for some reason. And she gets, like, kicked to the ground. And Shin's, like, standing over her. She reaches her hand out. And Shin kind of, like, flinches. And then she looks back at Sabine. You know, her hand's still up. And she's like, you have no power. And Sabine's, like, her hand's up. Then she, like, clenches her fist. 
pew, pew, like shoots a bunch of little missile, a couple like, I don't know if they were little rockets or something like that, little darts at Shin. And she kind of blocked it, but it made her drop her lightsaber. So Balan says, Ahsoka's like, your legacy, like your master's, is one of death and destruction. It's like, what does that mean? Is he like, is, who's death? Is it going to be your death? Is he saying it's her death? Or who's destruction? So he kind of has her pinned against the stone. You know, she's got her like one foot back on it. And, and then she pushes forward, like kicks him once and then twice and then a third time. And he like falls to his back. She runs to the, to the sphere. She grabs it. It powers down the, the map system, but then it also like burns her hand and she like drops it. The, the sphere, you know, it rolls a bit, you know, to one of the other stones is like in some like weeds. Sabine is standing with her her gauntlet pointed at at, Sh- at Shin, and then there's like almost like a crackle of thunder or something like that. I don't know if it's from the map turning off. It distracts Sabine for a moment, and then Shin throws like some like like smoke bomb thing at, at Sabine's feet. So Shin's you know she still got her or Sabine's got her her arm out, and she's like looking around you know, as the smoke clears. She has no idea where where Shin went because you know she could be hiding anywhere. So she picks up her lightsaber and runs. Morgan asks the droid doing the calculations like what happened. And it's like transmission of coordinates has ceased at the source. You know, final calculation is incomplete. It'd be funny if, if you had to start over. Because that what happens usually like if, if a download's interrupted, you gotta start over. Not, I guess not always. Ahsoka tries like shaking off the pain in her hand, and Balin gets up with his saber. He's like, that was unwise. So she she's blocks his blows because he's just like zh, zh, and he's just so you know brutal with it. But she only has one hand now, so she can't you know grip with with, with both. And then um, she sees Shin coming up. So it's like, wait, is she gonna think assume that Sabine is dead or something like that? Balin sees her and yells like to get the the map because it's the spheres like off to the side. And so it's like Sabine, and she force grabs Shin, shoves her hard against the stone like bam. She must have like smacked her head because she's out. She's just lying on the ground. It's like, did she crack her head open? I wish, but probably not. Well, that shouldn't wish that because that's not nice, but you know. Balan continues his, his, like, his brutal blows. Ahsoka's getting pushed back to the edge. So the edge of the circle is like right by the cliff. Then she's like on one knees and she holds up like her burnt hand. He's like, it didn't need to come to this, but you know no other way. And then you hear, stop. And it's, so it's Sabine. And Ahsoka's like, Sabine, destroy it. So Sabine holds the sphere in her hand and then she's like holding a blaster up to it point blank. And then she's like pauses and she's like, step away from her. And Balan looks at Ahsoka and then strikes again. Ahsoka blocks it, but she still falls over the cliff. And Sabine's like, no. So Balan turns to her because he, so she must be gone because he kind of like looked and watched. And then he like turns to Sabine and she starts shooting like eight times he deflects them off all easily uh if he was skilled or maybe he's just playing with her it's like he could have deflected it made it hit her what you know she's got armor and then she holds the the blaster to to the sphere again and he's just like standing he kind of lowers the saber and he like pauses you should do as your master says destroy it she would have done it and she's like stay back he's like but you're not like her though are you and Sabine's like, more than you know. He closes his eyes for a moment, like turns off his lightsaber, and he's like slowly like walking towards her. He's like, I know you feel that Ezra Bridger is the only family you have left. He puts his, his lightsaber on his, his belt on it, you know, the little handle thing, whatever, or holder. He's and she's like, You don't know what you're talking about. I know that's what's holding you back. Your family died on Mandalore because your master didn't trust you. 
Sabine, you and I share a common goal to make this journey you to be reunited with your long-lost friend and I to serve a greater good. Come with me willingly and I give you my word. No harm will come to you. Sabine, you will be reunited with your friend. And he's like, he's just kept walking. So he's like inches from her, you know, now. And he like holds out his hand. She kind of like pulls the sphere back a little bit. And he's like, it's the only way. Do it for Ezra. And then the, the it's like the shot kind of pulls back a little bit. She's like holding it, and you know, and then she's like, and she sticks it in his hand. Oh my goodness, Sabine, why, why'd you do that? Then, then you kind of there's like some force rumbling, and then she's like, she's like breathing heavy, and then then she's like straining to breathe, and then she falls because she's like choking. Shin is standing behind her. So she didn't get her head cracked open. She's up. She's got her hand out. She's like choking Sabine. And Balin's like, Shin, release her. Shin. And then she like lowers her hand. So Balin's like, I gave her my word. And unlike her former master, I shall keep mine. So then he puts the sphere back in place. The map turns back on. So did Anna, the, the ring, the ship. It's like a weird ship. It's just a big giant ring. The droid tells Morgan, Lord Balan has remedied the situation. Calculations are complete. It was just, just like that. It just, it just needed like five seconds and it was done. So the hyperspace route has been established. So she's like, send the shuttle to retrieve the good Lord Balan. Huang is still working on the ship's comms. And then Hera manages to get through. And he responds. He says that, you know, they're down on the surface of, of Cetos. Can they send uh, assistance? And then she's like, yeah, copy Huang. She's like, we're already here. So she asks, you know, what can you tell us or what can you tell me? He says the enemy has built a massive hyperspace ring and he's like, do not let it escape. So she's like, where's Sabine and Ahsoka? They are attempting to stop the enemy from the surface. And then Carson says that the scans are detecting a, a ship bearing, you know, five Mark 60. I have no idea what that means. Morgan tells the Bayline that the calculations are complete and she's like, return at once. So he shoves his saber through the sphere, holds it for a bit, and then it like cracks. And we see Sabine's like in cuffs, and he's like, no one will be following us. So the ring is starting to power up. Hera and the X-Wings are approaching. The X-Wings go S-foil, what our attack position formation. The shuttle arrives on, on the ring. So Shin's like kind of guiding in Sabine. You know, she's wearing the cuffs. They're walking behind Bayland. Morgan, she like turns. You know, she's all smiley because they're about to go. She sees Sabine is with them. She doesn't, you don't quite see her reaction because it'd be like, dude, why the heck did you bring her? But then a droid's like, there are six Republic crafts and they are obstructing our path. And Sabine's like, Hera. And Morgan's like, ignore them engaged to hyperdrive so Hera detects like a big surge in power she's like talking to, to Carson or, you know it's it's the hyperdrive they're gonna jump the ring jumps whoosh passes by like Hera and the others they get like knocked around a bit it's it does thank goodness it's not like what happened in uh Force Awakens whatever the one movie was I can't keep track of those but they get like knocked a, a, a bit a, cu a couple X-Wings like they smash smash into each other and then like some of the debris hits a third one so three X-Wings out are out so now there's like two X-Wings and, and and you know Harris just gets tossed around or anything like that Chopper like mutters something and Harris like almost in shock she's just, like quiet and Jason's like mom I, I got a bad feeling Hoang exits the ship. He calls out to Lady Wren, Lady Wren, Sabine. 
And he's like, I mean, I've completed the repairs to the engine. And there's like no, no response. And he's like, Lady Tano, Ahsoka. But Ahsoka's dead, right? At the stone circle. There's like, it's just like really weird. I was like, what the heck is going on here? You see like this overhead shot of the stone circle. And then it pans over. We see like the, the ocean, the water past the stone circle. And then as we see the water, and then you see big, giant um, Ahsoka lying there somewhere. It's like, wait, what? So somebody turns, she's lying somewhere. It's like all black around, but then she's kind of like on this sort of lit, lit up bridge, like almost like stars or whatever. It's like, where, wait, where is she? And then a uh, quote unquote mysterious voice, according to closed captions, like, hello, Snips. And okay, who, who, who's the only one who calls her Snips? Because that's what I call, called my daughter for, for a while. And she's like, Master? And then he's like, I didn't expect to see you so soon. She turns, and Anakin freaking Skywalker is standing there. And she's like, Anakin? But he looks kind of weird. It's almost like it's almost like he got like like cosmetic surgery. Because it's it's obviously it's CG, which I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. Because okay, let's let's think about this. Because first of all, is it him? It could be. Because this is after Return of the Jedi. Because, you know, this is after Luke. You know, Luke is, uh, he's got, he, he did some training with, with Grogu and everything like that. So this is well after Return of Jedi. So Anakin's, Darth Vader sacrificed himself. He's dead. And the, Anakin, the Hayden Christensen Force Ghost was at the Ewok village for some reason. But... It's weird because why is it young Anakin and not like 60-year-old Anakin, like originally in the movies? Uh, maybe, whatever, maybe force work, ghost work done? <laughs> I don't know. But he looks weird. It's it, Because it, obviously Hayden Christensen, you know, he's credited in this, this episode at the end. And if this is Lucasfilm, Disney, you know, they made Sam Jackson look super young in Captain Marvel. They got the technology. They did the same thing with Clark Gregg, Agent Coulson. It's like, that does not look like Caden Christensen. He's like, he's, he's got, literally got like, like old people, bad, like facial cosmetic surgery. It was weird, but it's him. And so, okay, aside from that, whatever, ignore that, being petty, ridiculous. It could be. So the question is, is it Anakin? Because if he turned gold good, if he redeemed himself, he could potentially still be a force ghost because he was there. So he has he learned how to do it. Qui-Gon supposedly never learned how to be a force ghost. Yeah, force ghost. That's why he never talked to Obi-Wan, except later he started like, Anakin, no, you know, talking a little bit. So if he it's but did, did he ever try talking to Luke? I don't think so. Or his, his daughter that he tortured in New Hope. So he could be talking. But then why is he talking? Maybe maybe because Ahsoka's dead. Or she's dying. Or she's about to be dead. So maybe this is like Jedi purgatory or the Jedi force heaven waiting room. And I don't know. Or maybe, maybe it's not really him. Because the music then shifts to Vader's theme. And then that's when the face of black and credits. So I don't know if it's really him or not. Yeah. At first, because like when they were like, yeah, Hayden Christensen is going to be in Ahsoka. I, I'm talking way too long about this. I, but I guess this is for probably what I'm assuming people want. Some analysis, some thoughts on it. And not just a recap. But I, 
when I heard that Hayden Christians was going to be on the show, I was like, what, are we going to get flashbacks? I was like, that makes no sense because he's dead at this point. But if they, yeah, we'll see. But apparently Ahsoka's dead too. And this is only episode four. And there's what, two more episodes after this? I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> but the, and the other thing is, uh, Sabine's gone. They, no one can follow her. They don't have the, the coordinates. They, the map is destroyed. I have no idea what's going to happen next. And, and I, I, that's I, what I enjoy because I don't want to know. You know, I want to be surprised. So that was uh, this week's Ahsoka. All right. And now Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake. So last, it was weird because like last, the second episode, it's like, this is supposed to be Fiona and Cake. Where, where's Fiona and Cake? Episode three is Cake the Cat. So we, we get Cake. We get to find out what happens. It starts out Finn and Jake. It was like, wait, Finn and Jake, they're running through a floating city. Jake is, is carrying like a big egg and seems like out of breath. Finn tells him like push through it. They're like dodging arrows as they run. Then there's this big rooster with like huge kind of like dragon wings and a bunch of different like freaky eyes like flies in front of him, roars. And Jake says like King Cockatrice. And then Jake is like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And he's like, oh, he's bro. Finn like throws up, you know, tosses up the sword, does like it's kind of like a spinning cartwheel thing. Jake opens his mouth and swallows him. Jake suit. Then you know, they catch the sword. And, you know, they, they jump up, like cut the rooster's head and kind of like spin around, like decapitate him. And they're like, perfect synchronicity. And then we see Prismo. So we got the little tease of Prismo last episode. Prismo is watching and uh, sees like a flashing light in his remote control. And then Finn's like, next time that guy will think twice about opposing Finn and Jake. And then Prismo like turns up the volume. And Jake's like, he's dead, dude. <laughs> Finn's like, uh-oh, cockatikes on cop the trikes? <laughs> attack robatical or something like that so there's like these there's like so bizarre looking so they leave and then prismo you hear like like oh. so prismo kind of cringes as watching he's like then you hear jake's or finn's like i love you jake and then it cuts to we see uh what we saw in the first episode right we see cake the cat and fiona um because there's a little little sign that says cake the cat so fiona's chasing cake through the woods and she's like, Cake, please, you know, what the heck is wrong with you? And then Cake jumps through the ice cream vendor's cart, you know, that we, we saw with, like, the, the blue light inside. And then the light stops as soon as, as Cake jumps in. And she's like, what? And she runs over to the cart, sticks her head inside. And the vendor's like, what? You know, it's kind of surprised. And she's like, my cat's in there. She's like, where are you? And then, you know, there's, like, some light ice cream container. She's like, kind of knocks them over and everything like that. She's like, but I saw her. And the vendor's, like, angry. She tips over her cart and, like, drags Fiona out by her feet. And she's like, I don't sell cake, only ice cream. So then Fiona actually kicks her in the gut. And she's like, I'm sorry. And she's like, cake. And she, like, looks around and starts running, like, calling out to her. So then we see Cake is, so Cake came out of the back of Simon's head. They're like the, the, the blue, the portal somehow went to the back of his head. She's in Simon's place in this like converted like garage where he does his like man of the 20th century, whatever thing. He sees like the toasted chews goose in his cage and Simon's like, I don't understand. Why am I still here? And he's like, Kitty, are you the portal? can't talk he's like oh i know he goes over a drawer pulls out a collar puts around cake's neck and cake kind of like freaks out a little bit because it's a little tight and then cake has like this raspy male voice fiona fiona where am i let go <laughs> and and then uh simon the gas he's like fiona and cake starts running around his place knocking a bunch of stuff over it's like holy cow like he's looking for or she's looking for fiona and simon's like cake you're real it's like how did you get here and he's like, don't know. There was a song I followed. And he's like, a song? 
it sounded like, um, and Kate starts humming like ice cream truck music, or whatever. And then he grabs her. Where did you hear that? Where did you? And then Kate claws at his face and like runs. It's like scratching at the door and, and you know, runs into the, the, the shrine closet with, where like the little globe, glob, whatever idol thing. And Simon's like, bad cake. And then there's like a knock from outside. It's a little girl. Mr. Ice King, sir, I can't sleep without my book. She's like the big uh, Fiona and Cake fan. You know, she's wearing a little like out the blue shorts and shirt or whatever and the, the hat and backpack. And Cake's like, let me out. And then some of the, the door starts to open and Cake runs out underneath it. Almost gets hit by like some big like hover car. And Cake's like now in, in shock looking at the environment and the little girl comments she's like oh you look just like cake and then simon's like door closed and then the girl's like she still didn't get her book you know she's like looking as the door is closing and you see like a shot from the trash can like right there so cake's like running around yelling for fiona then she thinks she sees her like there's someone looks like they're wearing like the the uniform from the, the bus tour but it's like some sort of alien or something like that then cake runs through this alley jumps on like a dumpster jumps over this wall and ends up falling off the floating city and she sees, like, some other places on her way down. It's like, I, am I supposed to know what these were? Because, like, one, at first I thought it was, like, Lumpy Space, you know, Princess Place. But it's like, no, it was something else. And then there's other things. Like, is that, I don't, that's not the Ice Kingdom, but it's, like, some sort of crystals. I don't know. I could be just, maybe I'm just being ignorant and everything. So then she starts approaching, like, the, you know, plant below. There's, like, this forest. <laughs> And she lands gently, softly on her feet, I guess, because she's a cat. And even though she fell from so high, it, it seemed like. So she's, she's like, in this, this forest now. And she, like, ducks into this, like, tree. You know, there's, like, a big opening tree. She just goes in there and, like, falls asleep. So she wakes up. And then Cake's, like, kind of, like, astounded by the beauty and the bizarreness of the world. There's all these little, like, creatures, like, bug creatures and, you know, whatever, stuff like that. And she just, like, plops down, looks up, sees a floating city, like, above, like, sticks her tongue out at it. And then she sees uh, this, like, whistling squirrel pulling a wagon with apples, and she pounces on him. She gets ready to swat, and she puts her claw up, and he's like, hey! And then his, like, shadow passes over, and she looks up, and, wait, it's like, is that the, I don't know who this was. It looks like the Ice King flying this kingdom, and, but it's like, wait, what? There's no crown, but there's, like, jewel in his forehead and the big beard, and Cake's like, yeah, that's where I want to go. And then the squirrel's like, hey, sorry I ran into you. You want to exchange information? And Cake's like, you talk too? And he's like, oh, your voice is, is so harsh. He's like, you know, you, ha you have that thing set the dog, right? So then he starts changing his little dial on the, on the collar. And Cake's like, hey, hey, hey. And then it reaches um, Cat. And Cake's like, yeah, that, that feels right. So it's, it's almost almost like, like Cake's regular voice. And Cake's like, I've never been able to say what I want like this before. Usually I just meow. My human puts food in my bowl or cleans my poop. And the squirrel's like, oh, yeah, two-way communication is great. You can debate people, respectfully disagree, agree to disagree. You can even sell things. I sell apples. And Cake's like, I am hungry. And she takes a bite and gets a little bit smaller. And the squirrel's like, oh, yeah, these, these babies are cursed. Didn't I say that part out loud? And she's like, what? I don't want to be tiny. And her claws come out. And he's like, whoa, calm down. If you come with me to market, we can get you, you know, magic enlarging strawberry to uncurse you. Everybody knows that. So she kind of thinks about it. She's like, fine. Fiona is still going around the park, calling out to Cake. And she sees, like, Marshall and Ellis sitting by the, the, the big fountain. They're, like, drinking something. She, she takes a bottle. She's like, thanks to you two geniuses. I've been searching for hours. Ellis says, like, uh, you know, she can't have gone far with those stubby little legs. And Marshall's like, yeah, she'll turn up. And she's like, I know this uh, sounds nuts, but I swear I saw her jump into a sparkly blue portal in an ice cream cart. And Marshall's like, 
Yeah, you were right. That does sound nuts. And Ellis like, nah, man, don't doubt yourself. Listen to your guts. And he starts playing with like his belly or his jacket. Like, you know, like we'll play with your guts. Or listen to your guts. Listen to your guts. And then falls asleep like, like, like that. So Fiona says, she's like, well, I'll do whatever it takes. She's like, Cake needs me. And then we see Cake. Cake's like, I thought I needed Fiona, but I actually kind of like being on my own. And the squirrel's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, who's Fiona? And Cake's like, she's kind of like, like a big clumsy cat I live with. And Squirrel's like, so she's your family? Well, I love her, but she's more like a bossy roommate. And he's like, oh, yeah, my ex-roommates were bossy, too. I wasn't allowed to do anything before I left the tree. And she's like, it'll be fun to make my own decisions. And he's like, yeah, so what do you want to do? Not, not farming cursed apples, right? That's, that's my thing. And Cake's like, hmm, I don't know. I'll figure it out once I get you know, to the blue sparkly place. Right now, I'm just going to follow my instinct. And Squirrel's like, hey, look at this log perfectly blocking our path. Cake's like, hmm, like sniffs at. She's like, now my instincts tell me something is off. And Squirrel's like, how do you figure? And then there's like, you hear there's like some rustling, and then they get surrounded by animals who laugh with like evil laugh. And there's this owl in a shirt that says owl. Well, well, if it isn't Mr. Big Shot. And Squirrel's like, oh, you guys again. And he's like, the cake, he's like, these are the sucky roommates I told you about. And Cake's like, oh. Then Owl pulls out his like a knife and starts like kind of twirling it. You come with us, Squirrel. And he's like, for the umpteenth time, no, I've grown beyond the tree. Then I guess it's time for our umpteenth attempted kidnapping. Get him. So they, they move closer. They pile on top of him. And Cake's like, hey, leave him alone. And I was like, kitten, you going to make trouble? So they, they grab him, uh, the squirrel, and start putting him in a sack. And then, because there's, there's I think it was like a, a blind beaver had like a metal pail over its head. It starts coming at Cake. Cake's like, that's not respectful. And she jumps on his face, starts like clawing. And then she like, you know, slashes Owl in the chest, like drawing blood. And he's like, ow. She continues going after the others and gets a couple porcupine quills in her back. But then she like slashes at his stomach. He's like, my soft underbelly. <laughs> and she like hisses. And then Owl's like, she's feral, boys. Let's skedaddle. So the squirrel climbs, you know, works his way out of the sack. He sees Cake, you know, trying to pull the quills out. He yanks him out. He's like, thanks for saving me. He's like, I can't believe we're already best friend. And then, you know, she puts her paw on his face to stop him. She's like, I just don't like bullies. Now take me to those magic strawberries. So they arrive at the market. Cake's like in awe, like looking at everything. They arrive to, at Squirrel Girl, Squirrel, Squirrel Girl. They arrive at the squirrel's stall. And there's like this big dude there. He's like, took you long enough. And so he explains he ran into some, some trouble, but Cake, cake saved his bacon so then the the big dude's like oh i'm I'm glad you're safe he's like fruits are free for heroes like toss them down so cake asks like do you have any any strawberries and she takes a a bite out one and grows and the squirrel's like oop that's too big so squirrel throws an apple she chomps shrinks down again the stall guy says oh try variety each is different so she's trying different ones she's like laughing she grows big her head shrinks a normal size but a big butt then she ends up back at like her regular size and then she says that, you know, she does like having options. She's like, now onto the blue sparkly place. And Squirrel's like, what? It's like, dang it, why can't I make friends? So she wanders off, hears like someone playing like a guitar, and then she starts going, la da 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 da, like starts singing whatever. And then she says that she, uh, that sounds really good. And then another person with this instrument comes, like, I'll say, keep going. So she starts singing, like making up words and stuff like that, walking around. But then she starts like jumping and stuff, making a mess at other stalls, like just knocking things over, breaking stuff. And it's just like, whoa, what's going on? Because like with the one guitar player, she jumps and breaks the end of the guitar, knocking all the stuff over on the stalls. But then with with Simon, he uses like a defibrillator on, on Chew's Goose. 
and the, the, we see the little girls like sitting outside. Choose Goose is like, my, my. He's like, you care so much if I should live or die. And Simon's like, you're nothing but a spell batter to me. It's like, you probably only have one good jolt left in you. I know where your mind is really at, thinking about a girl and her cat. Then he just like, just, just like duct tapes his beak shut. And he's like, this time I won't think about Fiona and Cake. Cake is still singing, going on and on about, you know, something to claw and something to non, just like going on. She's again making a huge mess. And like, like there's like a living pillow, like a pillow that's alive with like, you know, water. she like jumps on it, whoosh, like it kind of like explodes, like feathers everywhere. And then the song ends, and like the poor pillow's like, why? I clap for you. And everyone's like angry. Oh, because there's also there's, there's like some of the hot dog guards. Like she she did something. Like she took one and kind of like like batted it up or something like that. And it turned from a hot dog guard into like a regular hot dog. I don't know. How, I don't understand how that happened. But like so they, they come up to her, hey, we are not happy with you. What did you do to hot dog night number seven? And Cake's like, I don't know. I'm working on instinct. And everyone moves closer. She's like, I'm new here. And someone's like, do you even know what here is? And then uh, Squirrel calls out to her. And he's like, cake, throws a strawberry. He's like, get big. He overthrows a strawberry. And, it, you know, there's a circle of people around her. Strawberry lands outside the circle, like splats on the ground. And he's like, well, I'm out of ideas. So they move in closer, like pick her up. And she's like, Fiona. Fiona's been up all night in her city putting up signs like, have you seen this portal? <laughs> Call Fiona. And then she's like, yeah, I've seen it. And then she, she, like, rests her head against a pole and, like, falls asleep. She goes outside the bakery. Gary comes in to lock, unlock the store. And she wakes up when she hears the keys. And she startles him because I guess somehow he didn't see her there. And, you know, he, he says that, you know, he's there because he's got to get the morning dough started. Then she asks if he's seen Kate because she ran away yesterday, you know, possibly into this portal. So, what, you know, she goes inside, you know, she says she could use, like, a triple shot of latte or whatever. And he says he's going to get started. And then they're going to scour the city. Simon is back in the closet shrine room thing, and he's like, reveal the path and grant me passage. Reveal the path and grant me passage. So repeating it over and over again. And then this kind of blue tink pops up like on, on Fiona's head while she's drinking, and she yells at Gary, too much ice. Then you know she looks at her drink, and she sees it. It's like it's kind of sparkling, twinkling, whatever. And then she's like, ice. And then the ice machine next to the counter starts like twinkling, whatever. Then she stands in front of it, and there's like some blue sparkles around like Simon's head. And, and like his place and she opens the door a little and then there's like a portal appears there and it grows as she's like six or headed simon is still chanting and he stops with this big blue light pops out of you know the back of his head he's like ah and he falls on his face fiona pops out of his head and she's like whoa it was a portal to an apartment then she sees simon lying on the ground and she's like whoa and you know she goes to check if he's okay she's like sir dude she turns him over and she's like ice prince and then he's like, huh, Fiona, you're not real. Then she's like, listen, did you see a cat come through here? And he's like, you're not real. You're just a manifestation of Ice King's madness. He gets up and starts yelling at Choose Goose, saying that he did this. He And he shoves like Choose Goose in her face. He's like, is this what you wanted? And he's like, this was my last chance to see her. And then she's like, I'm just, and like, cake? And she heads for the door. Lifts like the garage door a little, she can't get the door open. And she's like, who lives in a garage? And so she opens it, and she's out there. She's like, holy cow, I'm in a whole other world. And she's like, ha, ha, she starts laughing. And then she calls out to the little girl, hey, you, have you seen my cat? And the little girl's like, is it cute? I saw a real cute yellow one yesterday. It was just like cake for my favorite book series. And she's like, that's her, cake. And the girl sees, you know, Fiona's, her queen tour guide name tag, and she gasps. She's like, oh, you're an FNC fan too? 
and she holds up her wrist. She's got like this big, like not some sort of watch tech thing. She's like, hey, if you have something of hers, this can find it. Fiona's like, oh, I don't usually carry cat stuff except, and she like spits on her hand, like rubs them on her on her pant legs, and there's like just like a bunch of fur. The girl's like, uh, I'll just take one. <laughs> so the wrist device scans the fur and beeps. This blue light, this blood beam shoots out, and Fiona follows it. She's like, thanks. The girl zips up on her on her little like weird vehicle things. She's like, hop on. She's like, us fans need to stick together. And Fiona's like, okay. So the wheels restract and it starts like flying. And she's like, holy schmo, wow, zow. And then the girl's like, I'm Astrid, by the way. She's like, I was born and raised in the city. And Fiona's like, I'm Fiona. I'm from nowhere. And she's like, Fiona. She's like, you're so method. I love it. But you're missing something. She takes off her bunny hat. She hands it to her. And then Fiona puts it on. And Astrid is like, much better. Welcome to Ooh, Fiona. I think you're going to like it here. And Fiona's like, yeah, me too. So they reach the marketplace and there's like all this ruckus going on. And then she sees cake. So she runs a cake. She tells Astrid, you know, keep the bike running. And she sees that cake's like in a, I forget what they're called. I always thought they were like a stockade, but I looked up, they're called a pillory. The thing where, you know, your hands and your, your head are stuck in there. So, and then people are like throwing tomatoes and fruit at her. like that. She's like, get away from my cat. And she's like, yeah. And she grabs like a, like a, a walking piece of wood and she starts like slamming the pillory thing. And Cake's like, Fiona, just pull the pin. And she's like, Ugh. she's like, you can talk? And Cake's like, I know, this place is nuts. And she's like, oh, my God, this is one of my top three fantasies. And she's like, Fiona, the pin. So she pulls it. Cake jumps in her arms. And she's like, I thought I lost you forever. And Cake's like, ah, me too. There's this, like, talking coffee cup. Like, yells, like, boo, no happy reunion for the criminal. And another, like, Tammy, go get the marketplace bazooka. So she tells Cake to hold on to her, and she's like, you better back off. And then the coffee cup's like, yeah, or what? Or this, yeah. And she grabs, like, this flag or something like that, leaps, but, like, falls. The cup laughs, and she, like, pushes it over, like, you know, so coffee or whatever spills out. Then she starts hitting others with, like, the stick, and is, like, talking bananas, like, <laughs> says, snarl. It's like, snarl. I showed up late. What are we doing? And, ah, oh, because, like... Uh, she, Fiona hits him upside the head. Then Astra's like looking at, in like shock at this. And she's like, ha ha. She's like, I kick ass. And Cake's like, yeah, you do. And she's like, this whole deal just feels so right. And then they're in a pose very similar to like Astra's book. And her eyes go get like wide and sparkly. She's like, oh my gosh, you really are Fiona and Cake, the real ones. And she's like, can we go on an adventure? And Cake's, or Fiona's like, heh, well. And then they get digitized, they float away. And Astra's like, aw, my hat. And that's where it ends. That's the third episode. The fourth episode, Prismo, the Wishmaster. So there's like some sort of space bars. I think it's called like Sammy's Treehouse or something like that. There's this dude, his face is like wrapped up with bandages. The closed caption says his name's Scarab. And I don't think we know who that is, whatever. But um, he has like, little, like is a bunch of eyes or something like that. He drinks some tea, like spins a teapot. He's like, this might be the most delicious tea I've ever tasted. I almost understand why you abandoned your post for this quaint life. Cure siphon or something like that. And he's like, no. And he gasps and his body starts changing. Turns into like big, like yellow electric flame something being. The other dude's scared, like armors up. And, you know, the, the one dude's like, I'm not going back. They start fighting. Scarab zaps him and puts him in like this like digitized egg thing. And you know, like in this little case, he checks a computer display and it says neutralize. Then he looks at other suspects like, who's next? And like one of them, he's, as you see these, one is like M. Mertens, which is Finn's dad, right? And it's like desertion. And then there's like Prismo, violation. And he's like, huh, finally. 
there's like it's almost like a weird longish credits at the beginning, just like black with the. It's like weird because that's usually at the end. But then at Prisma's place, um, his form. He's like in this like hot tub. There's like floating TV tray. There's like cans of beer or something floating in there. The remote's like outside, like beeping, and then. Uh, there's like someone named Wyatt like clears her throat. It's like this little short, like weird looking dude. And he's like, uh, aren't you going to answer that? Mr. P P Prismo. And he's like, Oh, just ignore it. Just make your wish. He's like, well, I'm trying to, but it's, it's kind of distracting. He's like, you have no idea what it took, the, the terrible things I did just to get here. So the Prismo's like, just, just spit it out. He's like, uh, he's like, Oh, I wish it was quite enough to think. And Prismo's like, wish granted. He's like, Oh wait, uh, and he disappears. So then uh, on the wall, like a screen turns on. It's like one of those old-timey movies. The guy's in black and white tied to train tracks. And then, you know, the dialogue card's like, where am I? You see this locomotive engine is coming down a track with a bandit on top. It has, you know, like a thief mask, a bag of money. It's like, is that tree trunks? And um, being, they're being chased by like a big banana holding wheels. So it's like they're rolling on it. And there's like, uh, I think, four banana guards on the back with what I guess is like Princess Bubblegum because she's like really looks a little different. And she's like shooting a gun. The thief's like, fall off, copper. Then throws a bag of money, knocks PB off. The, the train continues towards a guy. And then I'm assuming it's like Peppermint Butler with like a lasso and like choose goose coming a plane. And then the, the dialogue says like, feel the squeeze of my licorice lasso. Lasso's the train. The point, you know, it slows down to the point of the train, like kind of hits the guy and it's like, poot. <laughs> so I, I guess the, the Wyatt dude like farted or something like that. PB's on the ground, starts laughing. The guy curses, bleep, Prismo. And Prismo just sighs, turns the remote. And he's like, okay, fine. Pushes a button, then a big red warning on the screen. Urgent notice, crossover. So then he gets out of the hot tub, and he's like, a crossover? He's like, okay. Clicks the remote, screen turns into grid, and he's like, oh, hey, ooh. He's like, hmm. He sees Huntress Wizard like going through the wood. He's like, that's not a crossover. Sees uh, Princess Bubblegum like, cutting ribbon at a candy orphanage grand opening. Nope. Sees uh, Pepper and Butler and someone else like drinking a soda. So I don't know if it's from when they're at the, the school or whatever. Sees like Susan with someone like swinging. And then um, Astrid's like, oh my gosh, you really are Fiona and Cake, the real ones. Prisma's like, oh crud. Um, hits himself in the head and then hits a button on a remote. And the, the square opening in his cube seals shut. And then uh, Astro's like, can we go on an adventure? And Fiona's like, well, well, and then they disappear. They appear in front of the screen at Prismos. And she's like, ayo, it's like, what's going on now, Cake? And Cake's like, I don't know, but this is cool. Prismos like, ugh, what's wrong with Cake's voice? Then uh, Cake's like, whoa, big boy. And he's like, no, this is gonna drive me nuts. So he points and the collar falls off. And then in a normal Cake voice, she's like, hey, hey, hey. And he's like, hmm, she's off model too. Snaps his finger. Then she turns into a regular cake look, which is, you know, kind of like Jake instead of a cat. And cake's like, whoa, I'm standing on my back legs. And then, oh, arms, legs are arms. And Fiona's like, amazing. It's like a video game and we're getting upgrades for beating those weirdos. Then Fiona puts out her hands like the high five and cake's arm like extends. And she's like, ha, I can stretch. And Prisma's like, much better. And then Fiona's like, do me next. He snaps. And then she's in her blue sh like shirt and skirts, skirts uh, with like the backpack and like the full hat. And she's like, ah, oh, I just wanted cool powers. And Cake's like, maybe you have some. Try flying. She like, kind of like jumps and runs. And Cake's like, ha ha, faster, faster. And Prism was like, uh, these two are a long way from home. He's like, but how? Maybe the connection is open again. The laptop appears. He um, 
he types in Simon Petrikov modem buzz, you know, buzzes, connects, screen changes. We see Simon in the shower. Fiona and Cake both kind of gasp. And Prismo points a beam at his head, and the laptop says, access denied. And he's like, nope, still locked out. He's like, then how did they get here? Fiona's like, I stepped through a portal in that sad man's head. So then he takes a, a closer look, and he beams Simon into the room. He's, like, naked because he was in the shower. And then, you know, he's sitting there, and he just, like, looks. He's like, now what? And he's, like, not even shocked or anything. And Fiona and Cake both covered her eyes. And then Prism was like, well, for starters, let's get you covered. Snap. He has a blue gown on. He looks at it. He's like, great, because it's, like, the Ice King's dress thing, gown. So then Prism was like, what happened with this one and this one? And he's like, Simon. And he's like, I didn't do anything. And Prisma's like, liar. He's like, crossovers don't just happen. So Fiona's like, oh, it looks like you guys have stuff to work out. Can you just send us back to Ooh? And Prisma's like, shh. And then he's like, let's try rewinding. So he sees like the idol in the picture. He's like, what the heck, dude? And Simon's like, well, you couldn't bring her back, so I helped myself. And Fiona's like, who's her? Prisma's like, I've got my limits. You know, I've got limits to my powers, bro. It's like, that doesn't give you an excuse to mess with my stuff. And Simon's just like, whatever, dude. And Prisma's like, just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's yours. And Cake's like taking a bath and then sees like the remote, so bats at it a little bit. And then she's like, oh, I've always wanted to try one of these. Clicks, and we see lemongrass and the horse. There's like a little glass of water in the ground. He's trying to get the horse to drink, you know, bring your horse to water, whatever. And it's like not working. He's like shoving. He gets kicked in the face. You know, lemongrass screaming and all that. And then uh, Prisma grabs, he's like, hey, that's not a toy. And then a spray bottle appears. It's bad cat. Psst, psst, psst. And she's like, ah, it's like, why would you do that? <laughs> and it's funny because I feel like he didn't spray cake that much, but like later you see cake is like just like dripping and everything like that. So she's like, nobody sprays cake. Who do you think you are, you big bully? And, you know, she's trying to stomp on his shadow form. And she's like, why'd you bring us here? Where is here? And he's like, okay, okay, chill. I am Prismo to Wishmaster. And she's like, that tells me nothing. And he's like, well, as Wishmaster, I grant wishes. And sometimes those wishes require me to create new wish-altered realities. And he shows them on, on, on the screen. He's like, this is a farm world universe, and there's a funny shape universe, and there are a couple of others. And we see uh, Lumpy Space Princess getting chased by this beast with, like, gems on its back. And he's like, this universe is special because it has my favorite guy. And we see, like, regular Finn and Jake, and they, like, intercept the creature. And he's like, lots of wishes, lots of world. He's like, but the time room is my perch from which I keep my eye on the resulting multiverse. Fiona's like, okay, keep going. He's like, uh, I used to really like my job, but after eons of making stuff for others, I wonder what it'd be like to make something for myself. And we see a flashback of him typing... And he's like, he's like, oh, then, you know, she would just need, like, a badass sword and a companion. He's like, cats are cool. Uh, they could live in a big treehouse and a magical world. Then he's like, and you see, like, them, like, the opening credits, like, where do you do, to, like, the fist bump? And he's like, shoot, did I just copy Finn and Jake? Eh. And then in the present, he says that, you know, he just leaned into it. He's like, maybe it wasn't the most creative thing, but he enjoyed writing their stories. And then he shows them that they had adventures, romance. We see DJ Flame, you know, Flame, Flame Prince, whatever. They had friends. We enjoy like, Gum Gary. We see Marshall's actually a vampire. And Cake's like, wow, we look so happy. And Fiona's like, I knew my life was supposed to be magic. And Simon's just, you know, he's, he's like, Fiona and Cake were, was real this whole time? And Simon's like, or Prisma's like, pretty tight, right? And then she's like, yeah, so why'd you change it? And Cake's like, yeah, our world doesn't even look like that at all. Everything's boring as hell. Prisma's like, hmm, 
Oh, I think I know what happened. No wonder you guys look so terrible when you first got here. Okay, so technically, I'm not supposed to make stuff for myself. So I kind of had to hide hide your universe. I found the emptiest, most cursed magical brain in all of Ooh. And they're like, him? And he's like, kind of. So then he shows him, like, Ice King sleeping. Prismo calls up to him, like, you know, while he's sleeping. Then has a beam of light and touches his forehead. And, he, and Ice King's like, you can put anything you want in there, especially if it's got a hot lady. So Prismo's like... You were like a big nutty hard drive until you got cured. So then we see like the final episode, uh, the crown crystal changes color and Betty notices his beard's, you know, his beard's starting to retract. And she's like, don't panic, but I think Gulb is digesting us, you know, breaking us apart layer by layer, you know, down to our essential forms. And he's like, Betty? And she's like, it's good to see you, Simon. So this is when Ice King started turning back into Simon at the end of Adventure Time, the regular series. And he's, he's like, it's good to be seen. They hold hands like the crown falls. And Cake's like, dang, you went from fun wizard to sad loser. And Simon's like, he wasn't fun. He was insane. And Fiona's like, I don't know. He looked pretty happy to me. It's like, no, this was a guy who tried kidnapping young princesses, which is just creepy. So then uh, Prism was like, without the curse of the magic crown, Simon's brain was no longer magical. So your world must have lost it's magic too. And we see like Simon and Fid, like Finn, they slide down this tube and then Betty puts on the crown. So I guess that's how they got out. And he's like, I've been un- and locked out ever since. So all of this is really bad, but I think we're going to be okay. As long as no one else knows. Then there's like a knock. Scarab's outside on a cube and he has like a cane. And he's like, oh no, quick down the stairs. And Fiona's like, what stairs? So he like makes like some stairs appear on the floor. And then he like splits in two. So one of them is going to check on who's knocking. The other is going to take them to the exit. And then the, the, he closes the, the stairs off after they go down. Scarab comes in and he's like, hey. And Scarab's like, curious. I always thought you had an open door policy. And Prisma's like, what brings you here, Scrabby? And he like scoffs. He's like, no one calls me that anymore. He's like, I was passing through the neighborhood, making a delivery to the judgment hall when I got an alert about you. Your universe breach alarm went off twice and went ignored. And Prisma's like, oh, I just need to change the batteries. You know, nothing uh, for an important guy like you to worry about. He's like, yeah, everything in the time room is going great. Scarab like moves towards where like the stairs were and Prisma like actually moves over, kind of tries blocking him. And Scarab kind of like taps the floor with his cane. He's like, Prismo, it almost seems like you're trying to get rid of me. And he's like, what? No, I love when you stop by. He's like, let's bro out. We can party like we used to. And Scarab's like, I was never invited to parties. And he's like, well, time to fix that. So we see Fiona Cake and Simon. They're going down. like It's almost like MC Asher stairs like all over the place. And she's like, I just want to go back to Ooh. Why are we hiding? And Prisma's like, remember when I said I wasn't supposed to create new realities for myself? It's actually a big deal. I could get in serious trouble for it. It's like the guy who was at the door, that's Scarab. He's a, he's a jerk god auditor. And if he finds out about you, he's going to report me. And then my boss is going to drop the hammer. I'm like, your boss? And then they end up like kind of, they lose their balance and they end up falling down the stairs. And Fiona's like, oh, it's this dang skirt. And Prisma's like, that's strange. Like you never had a problem with your skirts in, in my stories. And then he points, he changes them into shorts. And then he's like, how about shorts? Prismo actually says that to Scarab. And he's like, shorts, what shorts? And he's like, oh, um, you know, humans, because they have short lives and everything. And then the Fiona, he's like, oh, it's, it's hard having two conversations at once. Scarab's like poking it at like stuff floating in a hot tub. And he sees like the cat collar. And Prisma's like, oh, that's mine. And he's like, is the cat hair yours too? And Prisma's like, uh, I don't recall. And then Scarab's like, I'd like to take a look around the cube to see if there's any more batteries that need changing. And Prisma's like, oh yeah, of course. And he opens like a different set of stairs. 
So the other prisoner says that they'll take a shortcut like through the core. Tell Simon, he's like, pick up the pace. He's like, you don't want to get caught by that guy. And Simon's like, I don't care. He's like, I mean, you show me all my messed up past and expect me to just shrug it off like it's no big deal. And Prisma's like, oh, this guy. So then you know, he just like sits on the floor and so Prisma makes like a moving sidewalk. They just like hop on. They go into this other room. And at the, like at the top, it's a huge room. There's like, almost like not even there, but do you see like a timer and a hammer and they're like banging, like hammering into each other and all these like colored sparks are flying. And Prisma says that that's the time core. He's like, I don't think they're actually alive. He's like, uh, you know, they send time waves throughout the multiverse that are experienced as a passage of time. And Cake's like, you said that word before, but I have the education of a house cat. And so he's like, what is this multi-universe? So he explains that their world is, you know, he's like showing, like, this is the multiverse. He's like, and your world is way, and he's like, like scrolling through, like over here. It's like all by itself because it's not supposed to be, you know, with the others. The other Prismo and Scarab are like walking. They're like actually in like the same room, but on the ceiling, but maybe not really there. I don't know. So then uh, they're, uh, Fiona Cake and Simon, they're going up other stairs, more stairs. And then Prismo says, like, oh, it's just through this door. They go through a room that looks like the, the idol thing. And then there's another Prismo there. And they both say that it's been cool hanging out, but they have to go back now. And so the, the two Prismos tell Simon to do the, the portal thing. And he's like, no way. He's like, I'm not going through that heartache again. And Fiona's like, we're out too. Then they start running. Then Prisma's like, that's the last time I make an unauthorized universe. And then Scarab, he's like looking through some jars of pickles. And he's like, unauthorized universe. And Prisma's like, crap. So then Prisma tells, tells Scarab that he's, he's like, you know, come on. He's like, I could give you anything you want. He's like, and Scarab's like, you just handed it to me. So he wants a time room. He's like, I should have been a time master, and I will be. He's like, all I have to do is turn in your rogue universe and prove you're unworthy. Prisma's like, psh. He's like, what am I worried about? You'll need to find him. And Scarab's like, it's hidden in a person? And Prisma's like, crap, crap. And then uh, Scarab's like, he's here, isn't he? And Prisma's like, no. And then he like shuts the door and like disappears. So Prismo appears by the other two, the other two Prismos. And who are just sitting there drinking. He's like, oh, I donked up. And they're like, join the club. And then they they join into like one Prismo. Fiona and Cake are still running. And they see a light up ahead. So they're like, that must be the exit. Adventure time. They end up back in a room where Prismo and Simon are. And Prismo's like, what's up? And Fiona's like, what the heck? Did you just make us run through a big circle? He like chuckles. He's like, okay, we're out of time. You need to get back inside his head now. And then the wall kind of explodes, and then Scarab's standing there. He's like, found you. He's like, ah, the crossovers, your evidence. You're getting egg too, sort of get like digitized in those things. And, and he's like, and after that, into the incinerator with the rest of the trash. Prismo is like, uh, and it's like, no. It's like, they're Fiona and Cake, and they go where they want. And then he makes a remote appear and falls into Fiona's hands. And he puts up a wall to block Scarab out. And, he, and you know, Scarab's like starting to pound on it and everything like that. He's like tries leaning against the wall, like pushing it back. He tells him to run, keep running. He's like, hit the button and hold on to each other. You know, hold on tight to each other. So they hold hands. And then she extends one out to Simon. And he's like, what's the point? And Fiona kneels in front of him and then slaps him he's like ow she's like you dum-dum if you don't help us simon our entire world and everyone we know will die and cake's like please help us the wall is like starting to crack and then simon takes fiona's hand then the wall shatters like prison was on it so he shatters i don't know if that kills him or not or if he can be killed that like that so then they push the button they disappear and it's scared like tries like blasting at them but they're gone so then they appear like in this cornfield and fiona's like are we back in the magic world and simon's like no this doesn't look like 
ooh. And then Fiona wonders, like, what are we going to do? And she's like, that bug guy is still after us, and you know, we can't stop him. Simon says that you know he used to be able to stop whole armies of jerks like that, but he's like useless now. And Cake's like, uh, yeah, we know. So then Cake wonders if the remote can get them back, and Fiona just wants to, like, she's like, why don't we just button mash it? And Simon's like, no, wait, 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 wait. He's like, we don't know what channel number corresponds to ooh. We could end up going back to the time room where Scarab will bite my head off. And Cake says that, and she's like, well, I, I could speak bite. She's like, I could use a bite. She's like, I'm hungry, Fiona. So Fiona's like, let me check my new backpack. And she's like, oh, sandwiches. <laughs> then Cake asks Simon if he had anything in his moo-moo in his, his dress. He kind of like starts feeling his arm or whatever like that. And then, then he's like, I know a way to bring back magic to your world and make it last forever. I need to become Ice King again. And both of them are like, nope. And that's where episode four ends. So, I'm. It's it's. I'm. I'm just. I never thought I like. I I thought this show is not what I thought. I thought this was just going to be Fiona Cake in their own world, their own adventures, and everything. I hundred percent love the fact that they're doing this crossover, that they're bringing Fiona Cake into the regular Adventure Time world that we saw older Finn and just like all these other remnants and everything. So, yeah, it's it's just. I I'm I'm digging this, and I I can't wait for more. Okay, and now the movie feature is The Nun 2. So this is in the Conjuring universe. And um, I guess it's the ninth movie in the Con- I, I I really like most of the, the movies. I wasn't super crazy about The Nun. Um, I think I talked about The Nun on an episode of The Secret Podcast. I don't think I talked about it on a regular one. So uh, when I saw this, I mean... Because it's it's one of the Conjuring movies, yeah, I would I would watch it. But there's like nothing else. Watch if like something else came out, I easily would have passed on this. Because like I said, I wasn't crazy about the first one, and I don't even remember when it came out. Because it, it came out in 2018, so I was doing this podcast. But maybe I just wasn't going to movies all as intensely as I am now, like every week. But I I, I guess this movie in some ways is it's a little better than the first one. As, as I'm watching it, I, I'm still, the whole point, we have this evil nun, this spirit, this demon, and it's almost like, okay, what's your point? You know, what, what are you trying to do? And I guess when you're evil and you just want to kill, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. So it's just, you got, oh, the scary nun, you got sharp teeth, and oh, you hide in the shadows, and you point at people, and you just jump out, and I don't know, it's just, it's just not appealing to me and and i love horror movies i love you know you get some of the jump scares and some of them it's like okay here here, here it comes here it's, something's coming so it, it just i don't know I, I just i just could not get into it and as i'm watching this movie i i was kind of bored at times and i'm like oh my goodness and it's like i i'm like fighting to stay awake and yeah i worked all week and maybe i didn't get enough sleep the night before the week before whatever but it's just i just wasn't really into it now in its defense you know it, it does continue some of the, the story threads from the first movie so if you were invest so here's here's like the objective you know don't just listen to what i'm saying you know and and because I, I can kind of oversee this is my personal feeling it, it's a it's a decent movie apart from, i can say it's a decent movie you might think it's better uh so they, they do you know 
follow up some aspects with it because if you saw the first one, even though it ended and it had a conclusion, there are still some some things left hanging. It's like, wait, you know, where is this going to go? Is it true? Is the threat truly over? And then because it's in the Conjuring universe, we know that the spirit of the evil nun is still existing in the present, you know, years later. So we know that, that it's not over. So you know, we we get we see some some returning. Uh, characters like uh, you know how, how do you say her name? Ty- Taisa Farmiga. You know she's in there. We also have Storm Reed. Storm Reed's a, a good good actress. I don't feel like her character was crucial to this. She has an important role to help out um, for you know Farmiga's character, but eh, and I don't know. And and we we do um, see more about you know like what what is, what's her deal and you know because. What's you know she for I used to for me you know she has like does she have psychic abilities like what what makes her you know she somehow survives it she's got some special talent right and um, I don't know and and a part of the other thing so it's like where it's kind of taking place you know there's like this uh, at a church there's like a it's like a girl school and of course you got some typical mean girls you know because I guess there's always mean girls it's like why do you gotta be mean just you know just don't you know don't you want to be a good person. <laughs> So you got some of that aspects or whatever. But then, you know, the story just kind of continues and it just just goes. And then a a lot of the movie was very dark. That's something that bothered me as I'm I'm watching. It's like, dang, I can barely see what's going on. I felt like I was almost watching like a 3D movie where, you know, things are dark because you got the the glasses on. And I I get why they're doing that. And, And, you know, it is smart in a way because when everything's really dark, you can hide a lot. You know, it doesn't have to be super, you don't have to worry about a lot of little details because you can kind of, you know, cover it up or whatever. I don't think that they're trying to cover things up. I think it's more to like create the mood and the vibe and just to, you know, make things scarier and creepier and it kind of you know does set that but there's just a lot of stuff i'm just like okay there here comes a nun she's coming after them and whatever they gotta fight this like oh what so it just i just i couldn't get into it and i i really i hate to say that but it was you know i i did roll my eyes a couple times i'm just like mm-hmm, okay yeah there we go so I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm, I was just in a funk when I watched it or maybe I just, maybe it's because it's that old timey stuff. It's 1956. It's not that old timey, but it's just, I don't know. I just, I just could not get into it. And like I said, I like the other movies and, you know, as, as even though some of them are kind of cheesy, but I just, yeah, it's just, it, it just, it wasn't for me. And I'm, I'm think I'm trying to think, the last so since I've been doing this podcast, I don't know. This might be like my least favorite movie that I've talked about on a podcast. I'm trying to think if there's anything that I was just really disappointed with, and I don't think there has been because usually, you know, I'm seeing movies that I want to see that I, at least in my opinion, I think are good. And you know, I might have been a little let down in some cases, but this is a movie that I just really was not looking forward to, and I almost debated. It's like, well, maybe I just don't go. Uh, but there's you know nothing else to, to to watch and and again because it's Conjuring Universe I was like well I should watch it that's my opinion I mean if if I scroll I don't know if this is up to date but as I I look at this uh, reception um, supposedly it's at a forty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes uh, average rating of five out of ten. Um, consensus reads scarier than its predecessor. The Nun 2 makes for an entertaining addition to the Conjuring franchise, despite not being the most original horror sequel. Metacritic 
uh, which uses weighted average, assigned the film a score of 48 out of 100 based on 21 critics. That doesn't seem like very many. And um, and then, so there's a mid-credit scene. <laughs> and it was just like the most pointless mid-credit scene. You know, it's, it's meant to tie things together. It absolutely did not do anything. It was like, I, I would even, it's like, is that even new footage? It's like, what the heck, man? I was just like, ugh. So not really um oh okay yeah so i'm looking at this using a scene that was cut from the conjuring the devil made me do it that is a load of crap i'm sorry <laughs> that's just ridiculous uh, i won't spoil it further say what it was but it's, it's out there if you know i'm sure if you google like mid credits it's just oh man so it's just very disappointing because um, normally I like horror movies and I always joke that the, the thing with horror, because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like horror movies or too, they're disturbing, they're scary or whatever. But I, I always kind of joke, it's like, well, you know, no matter how crummy your life is, at least, you know, it's not as bad as that. And so, yeah, I guess I can say, uh, hey, at least I don't have a, the spirit of an e- evil nun coming after me or whatever. But I just, I didn't like this movie. So... There's not much else to say. I think this is maybe like the shortest movie feature segment. I'm just, it just, it. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, it was like I said. There was parts that were they they did a good job with stuff. You know, like just the church and the scenery, and the, it felt like it was in a time period. You know, for the most part, you know, whatever. And uh, yeah. So that's a nun too. I got nothing else to say. See it if you've seen the other ones. If you're invested in it, but just. Going with low expectations, maybe wait. You know, do you need to see in a theater? No, unless unless you're like hardcore into The Conjuring. But I was just really let down, and uh, yeah, so I'm kind of bummed this week. So that that's the movie feature, and uh, I guess we'll just end it with that. That's uh, the podcast for this week. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show, and I appreciate them so much. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently talking about 1967 Amazing Spider-Man, Stan Lee, John Romita Sr., and... Um, it was uh, Spider-Man versus Craven the Hunter, my f- favorite, and the Vulture. Not the original Vulture, the, the second Vulture. Um, I'm probably going to do... So we've, we finally reached Amazing Spider-Man 50, which is probably going to be this week. And um, I'm, I I feel like doing it off of mind again. But now I'm just like... The last one I was going to do, I just... I don't know if I'm going to do that. So I'm always open to suggestions or anything you want to hear me talk about and just dig deep into whatever. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That's ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. What is going to be next week? Next week is A Haunting in Venice. So this is one of the, um, what's the dude's name? Uh, I can't even think of his name. The dude that was in Death on the Nile and uh, um, the other, the, the, the Orient Express. Um, what's interesting about this, so I've only watched the one trailer. I don't know a whole lot about the story or anything like that. This movie looks like it's really kind of pushing like supernatural aspects. And I, I kind of feel like it's kind of taking the, the movie, the franchise, into like a slightly different direction. Like, are they saying that supernatural elements actually exist? Because I don't think there were 
anything in the other two movies everything was explained you know everything was was earthly whatever you know realistic ish as realistic as movies can be but so this i'm I'm really kind of curious to see where is there really a haunting or is it maybe it's all fake and just you know somehow so i'm really curious about that so hopefully that'll be a lot better so i'm glad for that and then um i don't know if i'm going to do that that um changeling was that what the show was we'll have to see if i get around to watching that i'd love to i just i don't know if that's going to happen because i need to watch three expendable movies before the next week and then um you will have more ahsoka ahsoka man i'm I'm digging that show and then it's it's weird i don't think i mentioned it but uh this week's ahsoka is going to be showing in some theaters like episode five i don't know what that that would be weird i mean if you're watching it as, as a not go fo- was it GoFobo or some something like that where you can like get free tickets as a screening? That just seems weird, but that that'd be cool at the same time. Um, and then it's gonna be like the final episode of Twisted Metal. I'm excited. I haven't watched that yet. I need to watch that and um, more Harley Quinn. And uh, I don't know if there's anything else. We'll have to have to see. So thank you for listening. Um, thank you for for putting up with me. Um, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I hope you're doing well. I hope things are, are going just dandy for you. Hope you're taking care of yourself. And I hope you remember, don't be a mean girl. Be good to each other. 